This is just asking for trouble. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, May 13th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 408. This is No Agenda. Happy Mother's Day from Cam Mofo here in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley for a cloudy, kind of gloomy Mother's Day, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Cinco de Mayo! <laughs> yeah, when they, we, for those of you who don't know, we missed an important uh, ritual. <laughs> an important, important superstition. <laughs> yeah, that's what a ritual is. It's a superstition. It's very important stuff. Uh, red alert, red alert, red alert, John. No. Yes, red alert. We've got a red alert. Uh, one of our own is uh, being hunted down, and we have to help him. One of our very own sysadmins, techno experts, one of our fellow nerds and geeks. They're hunting him. They're going to kill him. If you see him, you got to save him and protect him. The agent has been missing for more than 24 hours, and there are concerns about his mental state. Eyewitness News reporter Amy Powell is live in Burbank with the latest on the search. Have you heard about this? No. This is the FBI agent who worked in national security. He's been missing for, wow, 24 hours, and they fear he's going to kill himself. He's on the run. <laughs> oh, so so they're going to kill him? Is that what yes, you're of suggesting? course they're going to kill him. He knows something. He's obviously a techno expert. And so this is sending the word out. Oh, I mean, but listen, this is press conferences, everything. It's like, you know, if, if your child goes missing... There's probably code in here that says, look, if you see this guy, shoot him. Well, let's listen. Amy? John, colleagues say this is a well-liked FBI agent. Right now, there's no indication that he's a victim of foul play, but they say he was very upset. Before. Interesting. How come he's not dead and they're already talking about being, he's, there's no, he's a, a victim of foul play? They don't even know if he's dead. There's no evidence he's dead yet. Already they're talking about no evidence of foul play. Before he disappeared, that's why several law enforcement agencies are working desperately to find him. Stephen Ivins was last seen by family members on Thursday evening. Authorities believe the 35-year-old FBI agent walked away from his home on the 1700 block of Scott Road early Friday morning. Investigators say Ivins was distraught and possibly thinking about killing himself. His handgun was not found in his home. I can't get into the details of why we think he's suicidal. <laughs> Other than that he found something out, we don't want you to know, so we got to go kill him. But uh, we have been in discussion with his family, and uh, based on uh, just the overall circumstances, we believe there's that potential. A bloodhound traced a scent indicating Ivan's, an avid runner and hiker, may have gone to the Verdugo Mountains. Today, dozens of investigators from the Burbank Police Department, the FBI, and the L.A. County Sheriff's Department searched a wilderness park in the Burbank area. We don't know how far he could have gone in. He could have uh, slipped and fallen. There's many, many uh, <laughs> oh, <brother. laughs> uh, potential. He's an avid hiker, but he could have slipped and fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan's has been an FBI agent for three years, working in national security. Authorities don't believe the married father of a one-year-old boy was involved in any criminal activity. Uh -huh. He's a very good agent um, and has, has done a great job in the Los Angeles area and, uh, and that's why we're, uh, we're taking this very seriously. We want to make sure that we uh, are able to uh, find him. Mm-hmm. And they show a picture of the guy where he looks all deranged. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you should Google the picture. What's you know, his name again? Uh, Stephen Ivins. I think is his name. Let me just check. Yeah, this is bad. This is very, very bad. Oh, yeah. No, this guy's there targeting him for something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
This is, this is no, I mean, no doubt in my mind. If your kid goes missing for 24 hours, they don't even care. No, they've done 48 or something. Yeah, Stephen Ivins with a PH, Stephen Ivins. You see the picture? No, I've got a, I put a V. Uh, S-T-E-P-H. Yeah, so uh, we've got to protect this guy because clearly he knows something. He found out something. He's a very, he very. like a wonk. Well, that's what, of course, they always take a, they use a picture. You got any crazy pictures of him? Yeah, hold on. I'm sure I got something from the, from the, the shop. Doesn't look like an FBI agent. Oh, brother. Maybe he saw what that person in the Ulsterman report talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's, uh, well, three years, it could be, could be. It's very possible. Now, speaking of which, the, uh, there's a there's a new insider. I didn't actually want to get to this yet, but uh, there's a, apparently a DHS insider. Now, this is not an Ulsterman report. Uh, where was that? Um, here it is. And this DHS insider. I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the paragraph here. Let me see. Uh, the title of the article is "The Planned Re-election of Obama Revolutionary Style." It's nothing that we haven't already discussed. Uh, but the insider says Obama is using some high-profile people as pawns to foment the re- revolution. I heard several times through very credible sources that Farrakhan is on the CIA payroll. Others have been named as well. Not prepared to identify yet. Farrakhan is to coordinate the blacks and the Muslims to prepare for riots this summer using any means necessary. And the way they're going to do it is an attack on the president, uh, which may or may not succeed. But we've, we've kind of already seen this ramp up. We've seen, you know, we, we saw the test with that idiot who, like, you know, left his gun with the fingerprints in the car, you know, all the crazy stuff. His AK. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen all this kind of being ramped up and prepared. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, well, you know, they 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 keep there's all these weird little things that keep happening like the I have a clip of the blogger fired. Are you familiar with this story? The which Journal of Higher Education, they hired a woman from the Wall Street Journal to kind of balance their coverage. No, no, no. Tell me about this. Well, play the blogger fired. It explains it kind of. A familiar face to many of our viewers, former Wall Street Journal editor Naomi Schaefer-Riley was fired this week from her job blogging for the Chronicle of Higher Education, hired to provide a conservative point of view on current issues in academe. Riley posted an item last week critical of some black studies programs at U.S. colleges. She was fired Monday after more than 6,500 people, many of them professors, signed an online petition seeking her dismissal. Naomi Schaefer-Riley joins me now. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Ben. So were, you must have known that this was going to be controversial when you wrote the blog post. Were you surprised by the reaction? Well, a lot of the blog posts that I've written for the Chronicle have certainly uh, earned me vitriolic reactions from commenters and things like that. I was a little bit surprised that people took the time to, uh, 6,500 people took the time to sign an online petition against me. And I was actually surprised by the dismissal, ultimately, that the Chronicle caved to this pressure. Well, the, one of the criticisms is that you didn't read some of the black dissertation, black studies dissertations that you criticized. You, obviously, you, you, you wrote what you did based on their titles and descriptions of them, but uh, uh, is that a fair criticism? Well, I... You sent me this article, so explain exactly what this is. It's in the show notes, by the way, under yeah, survey in the says. show notes, because I had this, because I, I started looking into this thing, what the hell is this all about? Because what, why, she's a blogger. Yeah, <laughs> fired blogger. Yeah, and I'm thinking, what's I the big bloggers, deal here? Bloggers have so, no job, isn't that kind of the whole deal? 
Yeah. And so anyway, so I'm looking into it. I'm reading all the articles and every single article, especially the ones from the left, are criticizing her for being, you know, callous and then a, and a racist and all the rest of it. But nobody would link to the article. No. I mean, this is always something of a problem. But this was out of control unlinking. Hmm. So I had finally went to the Chronicle itself and I got lucky because I guess I kept it up for even though they have a little disclaimer in front of it. I found the article, which is linked in the show notes. And it's lame. There's nothing that, that would warrant getting fired. She just said that the black studies programs do a lot of stupid theses, and she named a few of them with dumb titles. And she says it's crazy, you know. It was just a, it was a little blog post, and then so you get a petition. Well, this is the this is the, the educational uh, industrial complex at work, right? Yeah, and this is also part of your thesis about everything is there's stemming down to two things. There's actually two things, and I'll credit you with pretty much identifying them earlier probably than I did, which is race wars. You know, let's get a little race action going here and, and, the, and the freedom of speech issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, were very, this is a freedom of speech type uh, editorial that she wrote or a little crazy little blog post. Well, this is, there's something else that I noticed in the, in the past few days. And it, it actually has been taking place uh, over the past several weeks. It's now a status symbol for you to do the commencement speech at, uh, at an important university. Because then you get to wear the robe and you get a sash and you wear, you know, like crazy crown or whatever. And everyone does it. J- uh, Lucy Napolitano did one. Of course, we saw Mitt Romney, uh, the president, uh, uh, the first lady. Everyone's doing a commencement speech. And this is, it's like, you know, you have to go and suck off the most important university. And these guys must be incredibly powerful. Well, I, you know, the Romney thing makes a little sense because Romney's still distrusted by the uh, conservatives. And so he goes, it gives a commencement speech at, of all places, Liberty University, which is, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is, I don't even know if this is accredited. I'm not even sure that you could take a transfer of credit from Liberty University to Harvard. I don't think, I don't know. You could probably I transfer mean, to L.A. Community College. Well, that's <laughs> doubtful. But anyway, the... Uh, so, but it's a bunch of it's a right wing school. Let's just put it simply, uh, a right wing religious evangelical school. Yeah. To be more specific. So he gave this boring. And I, you know, the thing is, these students would much rather have somebody more interesting. I mean, the speech was boring. Yeah. Well, they're all boring. Yeah. All these people are very boring. <clears throat> so there was a someone posted a pitch letter from Singularity University. Oh, <laughs> I've linked it in the show notes. Uh, 408.nashownotes.com. I'll just, you know, th- so I have the, the scan of it. It's from Ray Kurzweil. And by the way, their, their letterhead, it says singularityu at aol.com. How forward looking are those guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. They don't even have their own domain name. Apparently not. I don't know. It's, it's wow. like, yeah, no, they have singularity.org, but it's singularity at aol.com. They could have done a forward. You know, how hard is that? So it's, uh, Dear Carbon Mass, so there's you know they're, they're cute oh, how about cute. it. Yeah, dopamine carbon and water mass. Why yeah, they make it? dopamine from my ventral tegmental area is flooding my mesolimbic pathway, which is crudely, if commonly called, delight at the fact that I can offer you acceptance to Singularity University, which is in no way affiliated with Scientology. You are one of only forty students whom we wish to extend the invitation to give us $25,000. This is a great pitch letter. <laughs> uh, wow. 
And then it just goes on and on and on and on. Your tuition covers room and board, hyperbaric dorm pod, alkanized water, the red pill, and world-class speculative instruction. Because, you know, they had another one of these, uh, another one of these uh, gatherings. I think it was a reporter from The Guardian, I think, went. You know, Aston, Aston Kutcher's there. You know, it's, it's bull crap. These people are a-holes, too, most of them. Well, you know, uh, this came about from uh, Kurzweil's concept of the singularity. But Kurzweil, yes. for a long time, I've, I've always felt was... Uh, I find him fr- freaky. I find him Unstable. Scary. I mean, I, I've <laughs> met him a couple of times. And I had him unstable. on the... <laughs> on the Silicon Spin show, and he seemed unstable. People then too. worship him, though. In 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 Silicon Valley, people worship him just because he said men and machines will meld. Which yeah, is, which I know. Is, it's just because yeah. of his science. It basically has a science fiction mentality about the way the future is going to go, and it, and the machines will take over and we'll be their slaves, kind of thing. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, there's a lot of people that believe that. I mean, Bill Gates. Yeah has never said it I, I know publicly but i know that he said it he's mm. always thought that software yeah. would end up ruling the world and we'd be its slave, slave. <laughs> literally i'm not just not like you know a figurative this is actually what he thinks yeah and so uh kurzweil uh, is in this camp and it's kind of creepy and he has zero sense of humor at all i mean i've no, never really. seen the guy even smile anymore yeah i really think he's he's not Un- stable unstable well, in the morning, too. Meanwhile, there's all these, you know, these a-holes at that Singularity University, which is not accredited for anything that I know of. No. And I don't even know what the point of it is. What could you get your degree in? It's a conference. It's just a, 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 a swanky way to sell a conference because you go there. There's a whole bunch of cool people. You know, and arguably, there's cool people that you'd want to, you know, that you'd want to meet. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a conference. It's just a conference, only it's sold in a different way. And it's very expensive. Which is the way to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's definitely the way to go. In the morning, uh, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea. Subs in the water. Boots on the ground and feet in the air. And FBI agents on the run. We're here to protect you. (laughs) And all of our human resources in the chat room. Noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We bring this program to you twice a week. It is a podcast. You can get it at noagendashow.com. But, of course, you can always listen live and uh, join in the chat. Keep us honest. Keeping them honest. And uh, we uh, hold on to the value-for-value value model. I'd like to, uh, before we explain that, I'd like to give you a brief uh, example of how news works. And uh, this is, a, this is a, a great example from MSNBC, which uh, was aired uh, just this week. Uh, the host is Tamron Hall. And, uh, John, you might just want to explain, because you've done this a lot. They, you, you, you see the host, and they bring up a topic, and they bring in two boxes. Sometimes it's a, a multi-box. Yeah. You can have, like, four, five, four, I've six, eight, eight. Yeah, eight. eight you know, the octobox. Yeah. You can have a whole bunch of pundits talking. It's a technical marvel. And they're all set up, and they're all prepped with what they're supposed to say, Correct. Well, yeah, it's just, but it's not like they. It's not as like a talk show at like the Letterman show or anything where they actually go over it. They what they do is they fi- they ask you about what your opinion is on the topic, 
And then they might suggest that, well, maybe if you had a different opinion, you could be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. How's that worked out for you, John? You, you get asked back a lot? Sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes you can't have the opinion. I mean, I have a lot of that. When I was so obvious, I can't, I cannot use that. I cannot say, state that opinion because I can't. You can't. I can't pull it off. It. I don't believe it. But the, So they're so, basically asking you to project a certain opinion if you can Yeah, they want to balance the coverage. Right. So can you right. say something bad about right. this or can you say something good about this or what do you think? And if you have like some real interesting idea, which I tend to get on from for this purpose. So yeah, here, the way I see it is this and it's some screwy, screwy thing they never thought of, then you're gold. So that's cool. That takes away all the pressure off the writers. Right. right. Well, so, so um, this is about uh, the obvious hit job where Obama comes out, says... Uh, gay marriage, uh, I'm all for it. And then uh, a day later, coincidentally, we find out that Mitt Romney beat up some gay kid in high school. <laughs> Cut his hair off. Yeah, no, that that wasn't a setup. <laughs> That's great. And so this guy's supposed to talk about the coverage of it, and he goes off script from the, from, from the, the minute it happens. But what's interesting is the host's response, which shows you the hubris and the bull crap that these, well, of course, it's MSNBC, so duh. But you, it's, it's nice to hear because this happens on every single channel. You have it, Tim, and the point is he's doing mm -hmm. local television. That's a local reporter asking about something that is important to the people of that particular state. And his response, it, you know, people are raising an eyebrow about. Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk about the marijuana in one second. But what you're doing here is a, a typical media trick. You hype up a story, and then you justify the second-day coverage of the story by saying, oh, well, people are talking about it. Here's how Romney responded to it. So this guy, like, whoa, whoa, don't tell everyone how it works, you idiot. I can just <laughs> hear right, the too. producer going, <laughs> in her ear. This guy off. Yeah. No, let's move on to substantive issues. You don't have to answer a single question I ask you. You did and not, I and you didn't have to accept the invitation to come on. You knew what we were going to be discussing. Yes, I'm not and trying I, to I put in your job. Part of, and Hang part on, Tim. Hold on a second. Yeah. What is this? What do you mean? I just told you. No, but you got to tell me again because I got caught off. I didn't expect him to go this off the track this way. Okay, so he's he's so there's always two guys, and uh, I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. It's irrelevant. And, okay, and his uh, he is supposed to say and this is on MSNBC. Yes, and he's supposed to comment by saying, "Well, you know, the fact that Romney is doing little local television means this is really hurting the campaign. You know, he's trying to do damage control. Oh, that he's okay. a gay so he basher." He the thing instead. Okay, and so instead he's doing our job. Duh. <laughs> Basically, so you know we got to get. I want this guy off the air. You know, we can't have him like <laughs> spilling the beans and ruining our gig. And so, and she says, you know, you knew it, you were invited, you, you, what you, and it just goes yeah, on and on. This is the amateur hour part of it because she is obviously a bot. Oh, but it, she doesn't have a clue oh, no, about but how it's, to handle But it's this, even worse. It's even worse. She's not just a bot. She's insulted, John. Hey, listen. A single question I ask you. You did and not, I and you didn't have to accept the invitation to come on. You knew what we were going to be discussing. Yes, I'm not trying to put in your job. Part of, and Hang part on, Tim, <laughs> because you're kind of in my house here. The <laughs> problem is this. You're the in my house. The story is out there. And you're right. I am not saying that we should belabor what happened 50 years ago. We're talking about the response by the campaign and by the governor, not so just on this issue. To, he says, so you for are example. Already, you, are, you are bringing up a meta story here, which is what is the Romney response to this other non-story? I'm trying to go meta-meta. 
on you and say, here's some media uh, treatment. You don't want me to go Romney anything response. on you because you're actually oh, irritating me right now. You don't want me to go anything on you. I'll whoop your ass, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Because what I, you yes, you are, because you knew the topics we were going to discuss. Premise. You knew them. You yes. agreed. And we are not talking well, or demeaning. Listen, 50 years ago, I was a much tougher kid probably than Mitt Romney was in high school. I'm this is where she's struggling. She doesn't know what to do. So she's, now she's this making is, stuff you know, up. The funny thing is, this is very recoverable if she was any good. You can get out of this oh, and make, it, make yourself look good. If the person goes off the rail like that, you push him further and then you can, you can, it's, this is not a hard interview to, to get back on track. She's, comp- all she's doing is making it worse. It's because By the way, this is clip of the day. She's, uh, well, I'll play that in a second. So, you know, she's, she's so frustrated and doesn't know what to do. And she's got the producer yelling in her earpiece in her IFB, obviously. Oh yeah. And that's why Definitely. she's, she's just talking about like, you know, 50 years ago, I don't even know how old she is, but like 50 years ago, you know, I would, uh, you don't want me to go anything on you. I'm uh, not talking about the issue of whether he was bullying or not. He says he doesn't remember to be fair. I cannot say he does. What I'm asking you about is how the campaign has handled this decision, handled this situation, how he handled the Colorado reporter, how he here she's just rolling down the list of what he was supposed to say you know it was like exactly. here's what this guy she is never gonna asked any of these questions because he went off the rail right away yeah no, but this is on the on, on the list this is, <laughs> this is great able to adopt but he does not agree with same-sex marriage just the handling of questions beyond I'm the economy if you're not substance. comfortable talking about that i am no, a-okay I but you're not going to come on and insult me you're not going to come on and insult the network when you knew <laughs> insult me insult the network are you high woman we're going to talk about done done now, let me talk to jimmy I'm jimmy let me i'm done jimmy, i'm done yes i am jimmy I'm let me done. go to you and i say this with all now, great respect edit. because we're not yeah. joining me i do the same for tim wow. but we have to be able to have conversations and not do quote unquote hit jobs on each other when we know we're guests on the show thank you both <laughs> don't hit do hit job on it don't do hit jobs on each other when we're doing the show man this is the show just play along with wow, the program. That was a great clip. Clip of the day. Hit it. Clip of the day. Why we blow up the clip of the day right at the beginning of the show? So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry uh, because I, I wanted to t- tie it to the poor donations we received for our value for value model. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did <laughs> that's what I was trying well, that's to do because you you failed to hit the uh, Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo yeah. one time. Yeah, yeah, that has everything to do with it. Is all that's all it is. <laughs> so I have. So we're talking about the uh, the Romney thing. So some black guy was on again MSNBC replacing Ed Schultz, <sighs> and he has this Cranbrook his Cranbrook school. And I guess this black kid. Oh, he black. He's a black man. But when, I guess he was a kid during the era. <laughs> At one point, when Romney was there, and he was, and he went to this school, which seems like wow, that's a pretty ritzy school for a, you know, I guess he was not a poor black kid. That's for sure. It's a boarding school. And uh, play the clip, and, and and tell me if you can figure out what he's talking about. I attended Cranbrook School in the mid seventies for about a year and a half. I witnessed all kinds of behavior, from the simply inappropriate to the outright intolerant. For instance, there was a recording that was released on cassette that said, we're going cigar fishing today. No, we're not. We're going inward fishing. What's the bait? How many grits? So I'm quite acquainted with the fact that even the elite at the top level have bigotry percolating inside. Okay, I'm going to need some help on this one. <laughs> I'm going to need some well, Let me, oh, don't, don't, if you know it, don't tell me. Let me listen. Let me listen to cigar fishing. Hold on a second. What is this? 
kinds of behavior from the simply inappropriate to the outright intolerant. For instance, there was a recording that was released on cassette that said, we're going cigar fishing today. No, we're not. We're going inward fishing. What's the bait? How many grits? So I'm quite a... How, how many grits? Yeah, how many grits? How many grits is the bait? Yeah. Wow, you know, what a rough school. I have no, <laughs> no idea what that means. Cigar fishing. Let me see. A bunch of bigots. They're going cigar fishing, and how many grits? But he says, but he says, no, we're going inward fishing. I I mean, so it's obviously there's 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 some sort of way of producing the N word, and the reference would be how many grits? Because black people apparently, even though it's not just black people, but everyone in the South eats how many grits, which is grits, yeah, which is a breakfast uh, starch. Which is quite good, by the way. I make grits every so often. Oh, and, oh, oh uh, I feel another no agenda recipe coming on. Well, you just buy them and cook them. It's not a, just these are recipes. <laughs> or I got if it's going to be a recipe, it's going to be a recipe, not something people should know how to do. You see, we have a nice header for the recipes page now. You, cigar fishing. What do you no, think? No. <laughs> <laughs> so cigar. So, anyway, fi- so this, this, I don't this crazy this. story. Like, uh, okay, yeah, right. Huh. A bunch of bigoted. Bastards, the way he has. I don't know. It's just like, well, you know, I, it, 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 no one. It's it was, code. It's all code. Talk about the skull and bones and all kinds of weird crap. That go, that's what college is all about: is being initiated into weird crap. I'm glad I dropped out before any of that happened. Yeah, you could have been a cigar fisher, <laughs> or or eating my harmony grits on the inside fishing. Ugh, what does that mean? Yeah. Anyway, let's thank. Uh, do we have executive producers? It was a yeah, we have a low, low show, low show. Yeah, well, we have one executive producer and two associates. You know, he was drunk. That doesn't really count. Keith Brown gave us four hundred fifty bucks from Spring, Texas. He's probably not listening to the show because he sent his very long note, in which I cut down substantially uh, because he thinks he's going to sound like an idiot, and he kind of does. Yeah, um, that's but that we kind of like that. I mean, the whole note was good. But uh, please, it, yeah, it was, but it was longer than one of my columns. So we're yeah, gonna, twice as long, actually, twice as long. <laughs> recently. So I, I can try to read it the way he wrote it. Please accept this drunk donation and qualification for knighthood status. <laughs> JCD's recommended recommended advice. I had hoped to be drunk on Lafroig 30. But when I Googled it, I found it was at least $700 a bottle. How about No. <laughs> How about so cigar I'm drinking fishing? some cheap-ass $50 McAllen instead, it'll have to do. Even though I've donated before, I was still a douche at times to Adam for all his crackpot stuff. So I guess D douche me for that. To his credit, he answered all my emails. I've since come to value you both for the extremely prophetic media deconstruction. How you guys see through some of this BS is amazing. <laughs> I've also been somewhat of a douche in not contributing regularly. I have been a canart a long time ago doing it in small chunks. But I wanted to do it in one big splash to be an executive producer, but I never seem to have the cash to spare for that douchebag. So I will now also be a regular subscriber to the 3333 Mothership Plan. Who knows? Would come in very handy. I cannot listen to the Sunday show because if you read any of this on the air, I'm not going to want to hear stupid shit I said. (laughs) The way you say this is priceless, John. (laughs) 
<laughs> Keith Brown, Spring, Texas, 450 bucks. Hey, man, thanks. Thanks for the drunk donation. Good night. Uh, it'll be a night today. That's great. And Dame Janice <laughs> King came in with an associate producership nice. from Milpitas, California, 250.07. I hope the check clears in time for the birthday shout out on May 17th. It'll be a milestone birthday for me, and a dual slide whistle serenade would make my day. We've, that's usually not. Wait a minute. First of all, we got a D douche. Uh, oh, yeah, you got a D douche old yeah. Keith. Yeah. <laughs> You've been D douched. Hey, but don't we have a show on the 17th? Isn't this uh Oh, well, we have to give her another call out then. Yeah, okay. So the Buzzkill Jr., make sure you get her on the list. If, for... if he's still listening, he usually falls asleep. <laughs> oh, no. Stupid millennial. He gets up early and he goes, uh, boy. He's like, ah, all I want is the, all, I have to all I want is the 500 bucks a month. I don't care. Just let me do this crazy. Thanks to Noah Jen to keep me ever vigilant of ulterior motives. Ulterior, she has. Um, I spotted yet another scheme to harvest personal information from the general public slaves. I'll send more info later. Thanks for all your hard work. Uh, and finally, she says she's living the American dream just getting by. Nice. Hyperware Technologies, Los Galos, California, $200.07. And uh, Dame Kang was two fifty oh seven. so we have a couple of pros, votes. Pro slide whistle, yeah. As promised, here are the double donations. Chuck Waters donated $25 at hyperware.com, and Sam Shepard donated 50 Here's their 150 plus 50 more for me and $0.07 cents for the slide whistle voting. My offer still stands that any donations to my son's walkathon will be doubled to no agenda. See hyperware.com slash no agenda. A great initiative. I'm, I'm liking that. David Foley. Yeah, no, that's very good. I like that, too. And that was it. Yeah, that was all we got. Mm. People didn't like the last show, I guess. And, we, and one guy was drunk. <laughs> he doesn't even know if he heard the last show. <laughs> wow. Wow. That. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. Because, you know, it was funny because last night I was thinking, maybe you and I should write a book. Here's the, t- the title of the book is Value for Value. And so, of course, we have to give the book away for free, right? And then people can donate. And then we can get on the speaking circuit, except we just go and then they pay us whatever they think it was worth. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. Well, but our, our model is... The, 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 yeah, I understand what you're saying. The problem is is that the uh, value for, for value model is is alien to the way people have been raised, which is to be... Uh, kind of passive and shown a lot of commercials and advertisements and, and information collected from them. Yeah, and then they, yeah, they, lo- they I'm lose disagree. their money at the store by buying some yeah, of this I'm, junk. I'm, I'm going to disagree because something is changing. And if you look at, because uh, last night, actually, and we'll talk about this, I watched a documentary call, uh, called Detocracy, D-E-B-T, Detocracy. And it's about Greece and parallels to Argentina and Ecuador. And this was a, a a documentary that was crowdfunded, you know, on something like a Kickstarter. And I'm and I'm pretty convinced that if you look at Kickstarter and you look at you know how that works, which I think is it's a brilliant idea and all of these you know similar concepts. Essentially, it's like you know you go on there, you see a cool gadget, and you're like, you know, that's a cool gadget. You know, I would buy that for two hundred bucks. But you know what? I'd buy it for two fifty as well. So I'm gonna here that that's what I think it's the value of that gadget is. So I'm gonna throw fifty bucks their way so they can get it made so I can buy it for two hundred. That is an extension of the value for value concept. People don't want shares. They just want to have the thing or whatever it is that's being offered, and they're valuing that by how much they want it, and then you know, they just tack on a little bit and say, Okay, you know, I'll throw that in and you get I don't even want your crappy t shirt. Yeah, you know, just make the thing. 
And I think that that's uh, when it comes to media, because, you know, there's all these future of news conversations. And well, let's face it. News is dead. I mean, not as in dead as in physically dead because news, you know, it's not a thing that can die. But it's over. You know, the whole model doesn't work. People don't care. It's all about selling movies. And so what we do is, you know, we're actually doing not news, but we're doing journal. We're practicing some journalism and we're uh, providing analysis, which is valuable to people. And they get something out of it. And then whatever they think it is, they toss it our way. So there is something changing. And I think that we could at least get on the speaking circuit and make some dough. Yeah, well. Look, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to do it myself. No, I'm in. I just think that you know, you know how to write a book. And I, and I, I just disagree with the fact that the fact that you believe, well, I, I can't disagree with the fact you believe, but I disagree <laughs> with the idea that people have not it, just in general. I see. Yeah, we have a number of, we have a lot of listeners that, that listen to us deconstruct things and <clears throat> tear stories apart and find the story behind the story, essentially what's what we do. And, or maybe find the reason for the story, the rationale for its existence uh, as part of a scheme which is the movie thing, for example. But I still think the majority of the public, the, in fact, I, I, it was one of my friends, he says he can't listen to this show. And, well, he's, uh, no, he's unfriend him then. He's like, <laughs> and, I, and if another friend, which is in the same group, says to me, well, you know, he has such a rigid view of the world that this, this, this disturbs him to listen to our show because we question authority, essentially. We... <laughs> We we take it, it, it upsets some people. There are people that cannot listen to our show because it disturbs. Okay, I understand, them. but we're not. Other people like the show because it confirms what they've always believed. In other words, they haven't been completely taken over by the pot. I, I, I understand. I understand. So you're saying that it's not it's be, that it's not because people feel value. I mean, it comes down to the same thing. You, you're just saying it's a small audience, but you know we can get on. If you have a book, then I can get on MSNBC and and bitch at this woman. You've been banned from television. I've been banned from MSNBC, that's for sure. Yeah, after saying that, after telling him that you think Michael Jackson was killed. How crazy was I to even consider that? Yeah, they cut you off, and that was the end of you. Let me give you a little... uh, Dvorak.org slash N-A. Yeah, I want to remind people, go to Dvorak.org slash N-A, channel Dvorak.com slash N-A, noagendanation.com, and noagendashow.com, where you can give us some donations, get us get our numbers up a little bit for the next Thursday show. Um, while we're talking about... Well, hold, hold uh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't move right along like that. We have a format to follow here. Oh, that's right. We have some, we have some PR initiatives? We do. Uh, the No Agenda News app. Uh, NANewsApp.com was approved by Apple after an extended period. That won't last. And you know why it took so long? They, they, and I have to give Apple some credit for this. They thought that this app was stealing our content. And so they questioned this. Ah. And um, the producer who was putting all this together, uh, he sent them all the links to our, you know, where we explain our open source format of the program. It's like take anything you want, do whatever you want. If you see some value, feel you know, feel free to give us some cash because uh, it is a for pay app. I think it's two ninety two ninety nine or something or two ninety five. And uh, he sent them that, and I was ready to testify or send him a note or whatever. You know, <laughs> I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, Yana. And uh, but so they they questioned that. I think that's pretty good. 
Um, and yeah, well, that was good. Yeah, they were trying to protect content of somebody that may yeah. be creating it. Well, our content is open source. We want to remind people, if you want to put our podcast on your blog, yes. please do it. Or on your radio station, your P1 Market radio station. Anything. <laughs> well, that would be a good... <laughs> we'll go ahead and put that on Z100 in New York. That would be fantastic. Well, no, put, find some way to get on the satellite. So even... Yeah. Because yeah. oh, everyone listens to the satellite. Sure. We, get, get, we pick up... I tell you, I swear to God, we'd pick up... Because I listen to it when I, you know, once in a while. I think that we'd pick up at least maybe five, ten more p- listeners The problem sure. is... The problem is... Because I know Steve Leeds over at Sirius Satellite. And, uh, and he's he, he basically hires... Every, you know, he's content acquisition, talent, whatever. The problem is... They charge people for putting your content on Sirius now. They're so hard up. They, they you, know, you have to pay to get a channel. It's not. Oh, you, yeah. It's no good. No. <laughs> they don't have a big enough audience to pull that off. Well, exactly. That's why no one wants and, to do and it. The fact, and the, the numbers of people that do listen, and there's, I mean, you know, it's, it's in the, you know, I guess tens of thousands. It's all d- diluted by the fact they have like 500 channels. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, you can float around for days before you'd find our show. Yeah, we'd be on channel 497. Good luck. Yeah, that'll really help donations, John. It, no, well, we, I, like I that. said, five to ten people yeah. we might pick up. Yeah. Anyway, if you even if you don't like our value for value concept and don't feel it's worth any of your money, uh, if you don't want the book, you can always do one simple thing. Just go out and propagate our formula, will you? Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And remember, shut up, slave. Today, by the way, John, is not a fake holiday. Mother's Day is not a fake holiday. It is an official holiday. It's a fake holiday created by Hallmark. The Congress, by a joint resolution, approved May 8th, 1914, designating the second Sunday in May each year as Mother's Day and requested the president to call for its appropriate observance, and this is as per the president's proclamation today, once again proclaiming, because he gets to do all kinds of cool stuff, proclaiming this Mother's Day. So uh, there was a joint resolution, May 8th, 1914. So it's not entirely fake. Well, I'm not saying that it's... Yeah, yeah, see, mouthful of teeth. You got nothing to say, do you? Uh, no, it's, it's it depends on what your definition of fake is. Oh, well, it's a, it, obviously there's a, no. You know what? The modern holiday of Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1908 when Anna Jarvis held a memorial for her mother in America. Mm. She then began a campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the United States. Although she was successful in 1914, she was already disappointed with its commercialization by the <laughs> 1920s. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, I miss my mom. Celebrate all over the world. I miss my mom. Do you miss your mom? Yeah, everybody misses their mom. Yeah. Jarvis never mentioned mentioned Mothering Sunday. (laughs) Hey, by the way, while we're talking about this, so CNN, which is a Time Warner company, was shamelessly, without even mentioning that they're owned by the same parent company, uh, shamelessly, while well, promoting the Time magazine cover. Now, have you uh, looked at this thing? That was hilarious. 
So, you know what? I, look- I If I saw that cover, I'd buy that thing. That's a frameable. That is art, my friend. Art. Well, it literally is art, John, because when I saw this, I immediately recognized the symbolism. And I think that there's code in this. Oh. So, the symbolism is uh, Isis, Mother Isis, feeding her son Horus. Now, if you go look at this, this is a very famous statue. Are you familiar with this? Yep. And um, the, the reason, so the reason. I will admit I didn't think of this, though. So, uh, first of all, it's a left breast. Left breast exposed. It's always the left breast. For, that always signifies ISIS. Uh, and, and that's on a lot of symbolism throughout history. Even, uh, isn't that even the stuff they covered up in, like, Congress or something? Because, you know, the, the, you got the woman's boob, left boob hanging out. Like, oh, you can't have that on television during the State of the Union. We've got to cover that up. You know, it's crazy. So. Yeah. I think the story, I mean, who gives a crap about attachment parenting? Whatever. Um, but this kid, what is he wearing? He's wearing uh, camouflage pants. So that would symbolize him as the, because uh, Horus was the, the, the god of war. And I believe this is, and there's some other things here, like, you know, if you, are you looking at the cover by any chance? No, I'm, I'm looking for Horus pictures. Okay. I'll go look at the cover. You should look at the cover because then you see right above his head is the word God. Because there's, there's a, an, another story apparently inside uh, God of Cricket. And Cricket's also, and if you think of Cricket not as in Cricket um, the Here, game. Let me find a big picture. But if you think of uh, Cricket the uh, Okay, the we insect. got the French rejection, God of Cricket. Okay, and the kid is wearing camouflage pants for some, which would be the, the God of War thing, mm-hmm. which I think you're nailed. Mm-hmm. This is good. Go okay. on. Um, so we've got, uh, I think that this is a, a symbolic message that war is coming, like a real one. And, and of course, you know, this, is, this all has to do with... Um, so the cricket, uh, is, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe Jiminy cricket, uh, you know, uh, Pinocchio, like the wooden boy comes to life. There's, there's something there, but just the word God is positioned so beautifully above his head. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then the E, the God sitting on top of that, of that one part of the letter E and it goes right to his right, to his, right, <laughs> right into his noggin. Uh, so to me, this symbol, this is a symbolic thing. And it's also, you might, might well, the, the word French rejection up there is another one of these yep. slams yep. against the French, yep. it seems. So Isis was worshipped as the ideal mother and wife and the patron of nature and magic. She was the friend of slaves, sinners, artisans, the downtrodden, and she listened to the prayers of the wealthy. Uh, she's also known as protector of the dead and goddess of children. Now, Horus was the god of war and hunting. Uh, he became a symbol of majesty and power as well as the model of the pharaohs. The pharaohs were said to be Horus in human form. And the fact that he's got his camos on, I think somehow, and I don't actually know, and I don't know how symbolism works, but I know symbolism is important. Uh, and at a subconscious level, you know, this stuff means something to us. I think we probably inherently are programmed somehow to recognize this to me this was so far out of left field and so unimportant yeah to sell magazines sure but this is a a, and we know time is corrupt we know time warner you know where they're all seeing i logo we know that they're a bunch of creeps so i think it means big war coming big war coming well well 
that nothing else. It, 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 it's to me, it means the. Uh, I would say that's an interesting perspective. I I would be more inclined to say it's the military sucking off the tit of the American public, uh, it, it passively because the arms are laying slight down. He's not like holding her or anything. He's just like there, and it's like she's almost force feeding him. And we do have a military that's oversized and over budget. So I think it's more along those lines. Personally, I don't mm. think anyone's predicting war. They, I don't think it, it's just not. It just makes it's too out there. Okay, but we always have wars. I mean, we have a war now. But yeah, but there could be a really good one coming. Uh, there is a good one. There's a cycle, war cycle, and there is a good one coming in 2020. Oh, okay. But, uh, well, phew. that's way out there. <laughs> Is that in the red book? Have you put that down that there's a good one coming in 2020? Yeah, I can put that down. There's <laughs> a good one coming. Well, it's not a I mean, good. It's all relative. So, I, so we're talking about code. I did run into an interesting... Uh, remember the show Rubicon? Yeah, sure. It got canceled. It was, well, yeah, it was it was too- up, but it had a whole season. It, yeah. And it was all about codes. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, and and one of the things that started the storyline, people should go uh, rent this uh, DVD set. We've told you about this before. It's a show that was on AMC called Rubicon. It was about uh, con- spy, uh, people that contract for the big spy agencies. And it was one of the little contractors that they're finding things out. And I don't want to give away this whole story, but the, it starts off uh, when one of the uh, analysts finds coded messages in uh, crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. So apparently, according to this, Rubicon becomes life. A Venezuelan crossword compiler has been questioned by intelligence officers after accusations that he hid a coded message to assassinate the president, Hugo Chavez's brother, Adan, in a puzzle. The commentator <laughs> on state television said the words kill, gunfire, and Adan had been hidden in a crossword of a national newspaper. From Caracas, Sarah Granger reports. Innocent puzzle or coded message. Mm. This crossword got its compiler, Naptali Segovia, into a lot of trouble this week. Venezuelan state television presenter Perez Pirella said a group of mathematicians, psychologists and others had studied the crossword and concluded it was a coded assassination plot. These kinds of messages were used frequently. De Gaulle's messages were famous when he sent them to the French resistance from London. After the accusations were broadcast, Segovia was questioned by intelligence agents and released a statement saying his work had no political dimension. Oh, that's good. I like that. That was good. Crack me up. Yeah, well, you know... if if I were, you know, just along the lines of symbolism, you know, your brain can actually decode this stuff quite well, I, I'm convinced. You know, you just don't, at a conscious level, you don't actually see the words yeah, until no, you start to circle all, it. Yeah, this is what is believed to but be true. You know, one one of these days, you and I are just going to wake up and go, must do this now. <laughs> Kill all humans. <laughs> Kill all humans. <laughs> <laughs> Kill all humans. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll top you. I'll top you with one. Someone sent me this clip. Uh, this is from Wag the Dog. When was Wag the Dog? Was that 1990? Uh, it was a ways ago. Let's take a quick look in the Book of Knowledge. So that was uh, that was of course Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, um, a cast of thousands. And the whole idea was they were uh, in order to... Uh, 1997. Oh, wow. That's later than I thought. Okay, so it's not even that long ago. Um, so there's a, there's a clip in this film which predicts 
the war on terror, which, of course, we didn't have at that time. That didn't come until four years later. And uh, this is uh, where De Niro's sitting in a restaurant with uh, the Fed, uh, and you know, the, uh, which he's recognizable by the earpiece and the curly wire in the restaurant. <laughs> and the Fed is saying, hey, man, there's no war going on because we looked at our spy satellites and uh, there's nothing going on in that country, so this has got to be faked. And here is uh, De Niro's little monologue. I'm doing my job, too, and let me ask you something. Let me ask you a simple question. Why do people go to war? Why do they go to war? I'll play your silly game. Okay, why do they go to war? To ensure their way of life. Would you go to war to do that? I have. And if you went to war again, who would it be against? Huh? Your ability to fight a two-ocean war against who? Who? Sweden and Togo? That time has passed. It's over. The war of the future is nuclear terrorism. It is, and it'll be against a small group of dissidents who, unbeknownst perhaps to their own governments, have blah, 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 blah. And to go to that war, you have to be prepared. You've got to be alert. The public has got to be alert, because that is the war of the future. And if you're not gearing up to fight that war, then eventually the axe will fall, and you're going to be out in the street. And you could call this a drill. You could call this job security. You could call it anything you like. But I got one for you. You said go to war to preserve your way of life. Well, Chuck, this... This is your way of life. And if your spy satellites don't see nothing, if there ain't no war, then you can go home and prematurely take up golf, my friend. Because there ain't no war but ours. <laughs> if you have not seen Wag the Dog, you must watch this movie. Oh, it's a great movie. And I don't even know how they got it. Times. It's always hard. Uh, how did they even get it made? I think it was because of the timing. It came, the, the book, it was, a, it was based on a book called American Hero. It was done in 1993. And then it was obviously optioned and made into a movie. It came out in 97. And that was just happened to be a lull mm. in the action. Mm. And it was, but I mean, and it, there was a little of that Serbian thing going on, when, you know, which I think it was a lot of this was based on what uh, Clinton was trying to do. But it just, it just oh, right. snuck in there. I think it snuck in there. It was good. It was good. It still is. It's a classic movie. You can get it for, for streaming for free, quote. For free on Netflix. And all the technologies they show in there are nothing compared to what you can do today. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were still using blue screen, I think, instead of green screen. Remember those days when chroma, yeah, chroma yeah, key was blue? blue? Screen. It's always a problem with people with real blue eyes. Let me uh, talk about words. A couple things about words mattering and meaning something. Uh, first, uh, Zach, one of our producers, caught me on something I uh, apparently overuse, and I want you to keep an eye on me, John. Apparently, I say "turns out" quite a bit. Turns out, yeah. So that that's be... from the, your days as a pimp. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to be saying that too much because that can be annoying if people start focused. You know, also I'll say, "Well, it turns out that." What, well, could... what would you use to substitute? I, well, I was just about to ask you, what would a good substitution be? Turns out, well, it turns out that, so what you're doing is well, you a transitionary, say it it's a transitionary term. You're trying to switch uh, from a statement uh, that is wrong to what it really means. Right. And so you're using that to make the transition. Maybe I should say. You can say what's actually happening, but yeah, then you're using that word actually. actually really as in factually, I could say, word. I could say uh, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> but that would get boring after a while. It, it would, but yeah, but here's what you do. You say nothing could be further from the truth. It turns out that. <laughs> why? Because. I'll just say why because. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'll think about it. And I got to have someone there. They will make it a contest. Our listeners yeah. can send suggestions for for transitionary term terms or phrases. And yeah, we need several. That are better than turns out. Or the fact it's 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 as bad as the fact of the matter. That's that's no the no problem. fact of the matter is much worse. And then I got the, an, the fact of the matter is so bad when I'm watching any TV and somebody says it now. You know, in fact, the whole family starts jumping up and down. Oh yeah, no, I, Mickey does the same here. It's like ah, <laughs> making the buzzer noise. Uh, did you? Uh, he cc'd you on uh, his follow up reply. Did you see that irate email from one of our listeners about my use of the word homophobia? Uh, yeah, I thought that was. I got a cc on that. I, I read it over a little bit, and I said, no. Oh, it seems like a much to do about nothing personally, but uh, well, I thought it was valid. I thought you it, had well, well, well. Why don't you summarize? And okay, the summary is uh, on the last program we talked about uh, the president's interview uh, where he said he supports uh, or he's leaning towards uh, supporting gay marriage, and then and then there was a uh, the interviewer Robin Roberts I think said, "Well, this is a huge issue in the black community." And then I said, well, wait a minute, you're saying the black community is homophobic? And his point is the word homophobic is an incorrect use of the term in that context. We're anti-homosexual, anti actually, because, I mean, I guess you can't even use the word gay anymore because then, you know, that's the wrong word. That's not the meaning of gay. Uh, but the defi- there are a couple definitions of homophobia. And whenever you put phobia after a word... It uh, intends to mean the irrational fear. Now, I use it in the aversion to context, which is also, according to Merriam-Webster, a proper, it's the second definition. Well, and, then it's fine. And the third is discrimination. But I, I have to agree that you that using the word homophobia is, in this context, incorrect, because a lot of people may not have an irrational fear of homosexuals. They may just be against gay marriage. Or they may they may not agree with homosexuality, but that doesn't mean it's irrational. And I have to I have to agree with that. It's not irrational that they don't agree with homosexuality. That's up to you. And it doesn't mean that you have it. You know, if you're freaking out and spinning around and you know and doing backflips, yeah, that's kind of irrational. I thought I don't it, know that I, anyone goes that far. Well, but but, it, but uh, in in the media, you'll hear this very no, often. I know. They'll talk I, about just, homophobia. The, the term is is a misnomer. That's the problem with that debate you had with this guy. It's a it's an ex, kind of an accepted misnomer that people just use casually to mean uh, you're against it. I mean, everything you said is all wrapped up in the word homophobia. But homophobia is a very aggressive word that makes you. It's just it's a shut up slave word. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is because it basically says uh, you can't have an opinion because you're irrational. So I'm going to not use that. I'm not going to unless it's appropriate. But I'm not going to use the phobia word unless it's appropriate. That's good. I mean, it's, I, I I take that the, the guy was an a hole the way he put it. Well, which he is was unfortunate. Just being yeah, one blow hard. Listeners. Blow hard. So, uh, and then then I have one more because this is the president. Well, I, I wanted to get back to something else he said in that note. He oh. mentioned the word heterophobia, which is the term I like to use. Uh, <laughs> when at the club? What heterophobia? <laughs> yeah, is that where do you use this term? I use it on this show. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never and heard it you. refers to gays who really I, I would say like a lot of gays are hetero, heterophobes in the same way a lot of straights are homophobes if we're going to make the word kind of not really mean phobe. 
Mm. Uh, and I would suggest that you run into this uh, commonly, especially if you watch Gay USA, for example, on Free Speech TV, where it has these two. Uh, Do I feel a clip coming? No, I don't have a clip. Because <laughs> have you been watching I could, your I could, favorite I could, show? I could watch any, it shows on once a week. I could cl- I could record it now. I find at least two or three moments of heterophobia because they blast the crap out of people in, in a way that's very unfair. I think honest, it's, honest. It's answer. assume that if you don't, if you're not for gay marriage, for example, then you're hundred percent. Yeah, then you're you're an a hole. And you're a horrible person, and I think that's heterophobia. Well, this brings me to a second point, um, and I I did a little bit of uh, re-educating. I re-educated myself a bit on the Constitution and the concept of rights, as in the Bill of Rights and privileges. And because I got a couple of people sending me emails saying, "Hey, man, what? So uh, if, if the state of Texas says I can't ha- if, uh, follow my human right of getting married, then I should move to New York." And I'd like to remind you that marriage is not a right. I'm not even talking about human right, but it's not a right. It's not in the Bill of Rights as per the Constitution. It is a privilege granted to you by the state, and they they have certain terms around it. And someone else said something very interesting. He said, um, homosexuals have the right to get married just like everyone else, but they can only marry someone of the opposite sex. They're actually asking for an additional privilege. Which is interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, I've made that argument before. People, when they get into a big debate, they say, well, people will not like you for that. You do. Yeah, you do have exactly the same rights. It's Uh, not a right, though. But it's a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege granted to you by. That's a big difference. There is nothing in the Constitution that talks about marriage at all. It's a privilege that has been agreed to by society and laws. And it's also a church privilege. You know, they're, they're, technically, marriage is something that was done by the churches, and it's, the civil unions would be something that would be done by the by the government. So, you know, you which get is a also a privilege. It's also get, a privilege. These are not rights, and this goes back to. I'm going to put that interview with the guy who wrote the book on on rights. I'm going to put that in the show notes. You got to watch that, and you got to read that book. The hell was the name of that book again? Because that was really interesting how this whole human rights thing, it's bullcrap. There's no such thing as LGBT rights. There's no such thing as any kind of sexuality rights. It's just not true. A right is really about possession. Um, And and ladies and gentlemen, it's Adam at (laughs) Curry.com. You know, it's important to understand the difference because, you know, people are being hoodwinked and programmed into believing certain things are rights when they're not. They're privileges. And if you want to change the privileges, you've got to change the legislature of your state. Yeah, it's like the right to drive. You don't really it's have the same a right thing. You don't drive. have a right to drive. You, have, you don't even own your car. You know that? Who owns my car? You co-own it with the state. It, unless you have the manufacturer's statement of... Uh, manufacture, which uh, you don't have. The state has that on microfiche in their archives. That's why they can. That's why they can ask you, uh, charge you money to register. It's basically rent. You do not want. You can get this, by the way. If you go to another state, you buy a car. You say, "I'm going to take this car." Uh, so let's say you buy it in uh, Arizona. So I'm going to take this car to California. I will only buy the car with cash. If you give me the manufacturer's statement of manufacture, and then you can, you'll have to fight every single time, but then you technically, 
do not have to register that. You don't even have to have license plates. You do not have to Where register. did you get this one? Oh, the, 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 uh, you, can, you can consult the book of knowledge. There are people who have done this. So I could literally. Mm-hmm. So let's say I had a, uh, a nice car. Stop with your dreams. a year to register it in California. Yeah. What you're saying is if I bought the car in some like Nevada and then I got this, this document, I could mm-hmm. bring it into California and I don't have to register it? Correct. I thought you had to register for, as permission to get on the road. No, 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 no. If you look at what registration is, it is not permission to. Now, will you be pulled over? Yes. Will you get tickets? Yes. Will you have to fight it? Yes. Will you have to go to court? Yes. Can you win? Absolutely. And it may not be worth your trouble. No, but it's, it's a good point. Yeah. Well, it's the same with. Okay, I'm going to look into this now. Yeah. Now that you got my, well, you got the, my curiosity. Piece. It's the same with land, John. You don't own your land. That's why else do you have to. Why do you have to pay taxes on your own land if you own it? Why do you have to pay taxes on it? You don't because it's been incorporated under the city of Berkeley or whatever. You co-own it and you own real estate. That means everything you do on top of it, you you can own, but you don't actually one hundred percent outright buy yourself the land. These are the things people don't understand, and, I, and I've, I've been re-educating myself. It doesn't, you know, it's not like you can go and change well, this. Well, that's right, because you're on the process of trying to buy some land. Yes, exactly. I'm like, hey, I'd really like to own it. Well, no, this is city of you Austin. You must be the most boring guy at the title <laughs> company when you come here. Well, and, and this is how it came you up. You realize that you people. <laughs> this is how it came up, because um, the guy that I'm working with, very sweet guy, uh, you know, and he has a title company that he works with. You know, all these agents do. And then part of the deal is they wanted to use their title company. I'm like, why? What's the difference? And then I start looking into title companies. And, you know, uh, it's different from buying a house. When you're buying land, you know, this is a very serious contract. I'm like, well, what am I actually buying? You know, uh, I'd like to know. Now, uh, there's going to be a third party in this, which would be, I don't know, the bank. <laughs> but if you just leave that out of it, if I could show up with, with cash in hand and say, it, here you go, uh, it turns out you don't actually owe it. And, yeah, they hate me because I'm asking all these questions. They, oh, I think they don't even want to do a deal with me. Like, this guy's too much pain in the ass. He's asking too many questions. Huh. Interesting, though, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I never uh, thought much about it because you just, you know, you get your property and you live there or whatever, and then you sell it to someone else, and then you get another one, and you don't think about the, uh, the any of these other issues because they don't come up in the conversation. And they don't seem to interfere no. with commerce no. No. in any way, shape, or form. But if, if, but if it turns out that it's essentially just this way to steal your money, mm-hmm. which is what you're making it sound like. Well, it's the truth. Then yeah, it's something to look into. But then again, if it's set up in such a way, this is the exact same thing I was talking about earlier. People have been, you know, made not to like the value for value proposition mm-hmm. because they, they just, oh, no, the way it should be is free. It's free with advertising. Mm-hmm. Lots of advertising. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the advertising model is now being busted left and right because of, you know, DVRs and everything right, else. Right, right. Which is causing nothing but panic. And then the Internet's changed things and made music piracy easy. So the, Whatever the case, it's it's like a uh, – you I, just assume these things. And I, I never – I'm, I'm going to look into this car thing because that actually – if that's true, that's a scandal. 
It's another column for John C. Dvorak. So uh, the book Sounds is more like a little booklet. I'm sorry. The book is uh, the last utopia: human rights in history. Samuel Moyne, M O Y N. It's in the show notes now under human rights. 408 uh, nashownotes.com or bigbookshow.com. Have a look at this interview because uh, it, it, it's very timely when you hear everyone talking about human rights and human rights and what are rights. And, and, and this really is just, it's, it's a scam. It, it really is, and it's just not true. It's not the correct usage of the word, but yeah, we're, we're being kind of suckered into it. Well, you know, I'm also reminded of the uh, anti-tax nutballs that are out there that hate the federal income tax, and then they make the argument. I've run into a couple of these guys. Sure. Uh, they make the argument, well, first of all, it's voluntary, so you don't really have to pay the taxes. Yeah. And, what, and yeah. then they have these cockamamie schemes, which a lot of people have been suckered into and are yeah. now like Wesley Snipes. in prison. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. When you put your money offshore over here and then you create a trust and then you make the trust owned by another trust yeah. and then that trust puts money into an account, which then you can go to the bank and use your ATM and pull the money out of the account. But it's coming from the trust that's owned by another trust, which which the money's not even in this country. And it's just a, you know, the whole thing and the scheme. And it's a real I've seen this present presentation because it's been on television. <laughs> and the guy is just like arrows going from here to there and somehow yeah. you yeah. get money and. Well, and, and, and I'm sure this is just asking for trouble. And by the way, we will get letters for bringing this up because there's oh, people yeah. that listen to our show that, believe that will say this is bull crap. This works. This is great. We the tax system is volunteer. No, no, it's not. It's it's. Hey, not. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. The IRS has guns, and they come into your home, your place of work, with their guns. I've had this. And they happen. take your money. And they, they, it's like that. It might be zap. voluntary, but you're going to get extorted for it. And I mean, there's no way you can not. Let pay. me, let me tell you another crazy story. So I'm helping Mickey with her visa. And, uh, you know, I don't want to pay a lawyer to do this. I can read. I'm a government legislation analyst. So I get all the appropriate forms and you can download them. And you get the, the, and by the way, they have them all locked PDF. Like you have to, you have to you're forced to get Adobe. Uh, otherwise, you can't read it. You can't copy something out of it. You know, it's it's like real Gitmo crap. And uh, you have to get the right form, the right date. And I'm reading through this, and there's two things. First of all, the fee, and this just blew me away. The fee for her visa, four hundred and twenty dollars. Now, are you kidding me? Four twenty? Are you throwing a four twenty at me in government documents for immigration? Okay, oh, some bonehead, some one. some joker, some yeah. stoner in the, in the in <laughs> Washington, DHS. I got an idea. Yeah, Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the second thing, so you have to send a check for this four hundred and twenty dollars, and Department of Homeland Security says we will not. You will not receive this check back. We will. Uh, de- we will debit your bank account for that money. I find that frightening. Well, I had to get my car repaired, and the dealership now has a. Uh, do you yeah, but, give but, I'm, but I'm not authorizing. I'm giving them a check, and then they can use that as authorization. Authorization just to just say to my bank, "Hey, give me that money." Yeah. That's bullcrap. That's what they're doing at the, at the everywhere now. They take the check. I thought this was interesting. This is the first place I've seen do it, but I can see this happening all over. They take the check. And they run into some little scanner, which reads everything off the check. And then the scanner goes to the bank. And then the 
takes the money out of the account somehow without the check ever showing up anywhere. Yeah, this is not good. This is not and then they give idea. me back the check. They say, yeah. And then they, you know. They I don't even in. get the check back, though. No, they say. I know. You could, don't have to get the check back. It's probably too much work to do that. But the, but it's like, yeah. Yeah, this is the future. Crap. This is all the same yeah. process of getting us off of the any ability to actually handle our own money. Exactly. No, the check was not void, uh, Yellow. This You have to send a valid check. Anyway, the president also used some interesting terminology. You know, he has these things that pop up over and over again. Like everyone gets their fair shot, pay their fair share, play by the same rules. We got that one. Uh, we have the American dream of work, you know, work hard, set a little aside for retirement, maybe send your kids to college and die with dignity. That is the American dream, according to our current president of the United States and the entire administration. And now he's got a new one, which is bothering me. And I think someone should call him on it. Because it's bull crap, and I'm calling him on it. Passing tax cuts for workers, to opening up new markets for American products, to reforming our patent system. But now we need to do more. That's why we made Congress a handy to-do list, just like the kind I get from Michelle. Now, I'm sorry. You're the president of the United States, and your wife's giving you a to-do list? Of what? What is on the to-do list? Walk the dog? What is it? I don't know. Walk the dog, do the dishes. I don't think he does anything. This bull crap. He doesn't get a to-do list list from Michelle unless it's go buy me something. Like get the jet ready so I can fly to Spain. Not even that. He's got he's got assistance for that. She has no to-do list for him. And she has she has twenty assistants or something like the that. She's only, really good. She has a one million dollar budget for assistance. The only thing that can be on the to-do list is what he's about to say here. Because he says, just like the one I get from Michelle. So the true ruler of America is the first lady. Here's her to-do list. Congress, a handy to-do list. Just like the kind I get from Michelle. It's short, but each of the ideas on this list will help create jobs and build a stronger economy right now. So she is helping us build jobs. Yeah. It's annoying. And he's used this over and over again, everywhere. Just like the to-do list I get from Michelle. Huh. Do people fall for this? I don't know. I got him on uh, one. I got one of his things where he's got this new fired up and ready to go thing. <laughs> ready to go home. Well, when <laughs> I first said it, I actually tweeted this. I said, now Obama once says ready to go. I, I thought he wanted to run for reelection. I was just kind of a joke because he sounds like he's ready to go. He's ready to leave. Mm hmm. So, but play the, you're going to have to endure this, but it, this is oh, worth God. listening to. The Obama fired up and ready to go uh, uh, oh, t- t- thing, thing. Yeah, the thing. Here we go. But here, here's the thing, Virginia. After a minute or so, I'm feeling kind of fired up. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm ready to go. So I join in the chant. And it feels good. And for the rest of the day, even after we left Greenwood, I'd see my staff. I'd say, are you fired up? I'd say, we're fired up, boss. Are you ready to go? I'd say, I'm ready to go. Once you hear it, you will never forget it. So some, some people start putting fired up, ready to go on their shirts. Some people start putting fired up, ready to go on signs. <laughs> Everybody's saying fired up and ready to go. Fired up! Fired up! Ready to go! It shows you what one voice can do. One voice can change a room. And if a voice can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, 
It can change a nation. And if it can change a nation, it can change the world. <laughs> Your voice can change the world. <laughs> so I just got one question for you. Are you fired up? See Kyle. Are you ready to go? See Kyle. Fired up. See Kyle. Ready to go. Yeah, that's not mind control. Well, you know, it's also black preaching. So anyone who didn't think he went to the Wright's church and never listened, uh, obviously that's not true. This is a a classic style of preaching that white boys and white girls don't never seen before. They never heard of. They never. They have no idea. That's what's what he's doing. It's cool, but it is. It's very uh, propagandistic and mind control. Isn't this uh, what Hitler did? Yeah. And, by, and people well loved him, Hitler. by the way. People loved Hitler. I mean, they didn't know. They did like, yeah, I know, we always in denial about that. No, we were taught differently. We're yeah, taught no, incorrectly. The, the Germans loved Hitler. Yeah. He was there because he, he was fired up and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're fired up and ready to go. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, John, good one. Mm-hmm. Hey, I found an outfit that I'm looking into. This is uh, actually let me uh, let me take a let me take you to a different place first. Let me take you to uh, hmm, where is she now? Uh, Clippity clop. I was wondering, you know, because uh, you know uh, Lucifer Hillary Clinton has this uh, little thing where she uh, has dignitaries visiting, and she uh, she comes out. You know, the the double doors open wide, and she clippity clops out uh, uh, with her hooves. Onto the rug with the dignitary, and then she says, "Oh, it's so great for you to be here." So let me just play the most recent one. And I, it took me a while to figure out what was going on. It's clippity clop. The message is clear. clippity <laughs> Good afternoon. I am delighted to welcome His Royal Highness. Hear those hooves, man? Clip clop, clip clop. Here to the State Department. Uh, Bahrain is a valued uh, ally of the United States. Uh, we partner on many uh, important issues of mutual concern. So you catch it? This is the Crown Prince of Bahrain. You with me? Yeah, he's our buddy. Yeah. To each of our nations and to the uh, regional and global uh, concerns as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to a uh, chance to talk over with, an, uh, with the, His Royal Highness a number of the issues uh, both internally and externally, uh, that uh, Bahrain is dealing with, uh, and have some uh, better understanding uh, of the uh, ongoing efforts so that the government of Bahrain is undertaking. So, you know, and then he says, "Thank you. It's great. It's awesome to be here, and whatever." Like, why? 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 What is going on? What? What, what are these important issues that we're and, talking and by about? The, can I just interrupt for a second? Sure. Do they have those cameras mic'd? Yeah, no, it's annoying. I know there's no reason to have that. You don't need your camera doesn't need to go. Is t- aiming at her. It's a directional mic. I guarantee you. Yeah, but no, it's a directional mic from the back of the room, so they can also do. The, if there's questions, they can focus it on the on the question asker. They can turn that mic down. No, what? Well, click, 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 click. It's the whole. It's you're not supposed to be listening to this. 
This is the whole point. This is a photo op. It's a photo op. All right, go on. So I'm like, what is going on? And I wait, and I search, and I wait. And the next day, oh, there it is. <sighs> the U.S. State Department announced today that uh, President Obama has signed off on a resumption of weapon sales to Bahrain. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wow, you know, all these important things. You're full of crap, Lucifer. It's just to, to sign the $53 million initial deal where we're going to sell 44 Humvee armored vehicles, several, several hundred TOW missiles, along with associated equipment. Um, prime, and maintenance contracts. Yes, well, prime contractors are AM General and Raytheon. Uh, but they make a very important statement uh, that there, nothing will be sold uh, that can be used uh, against protesters. So no, <laughs> unlike the 44 armed Humvees and the Tau missiles, they're not selling tear gas. No tear gas will be sold in this deal. We're arming Bahrain. And that's, <laughs> and, and, you know, oh, important issues. Yes, it's very good. Yes, very good. What, they do the deal at the Formula One race? These elitist pricks. <laughs> there are douchebags, that's for sure. Yeah, here's a photo op. And all the press is like, that's great. What do you have to say? Royal crown prince, your highness, let me kiss your ring. Well, this will bring me to a, kind of another off, just slightly off topic. <laughs> Welcome to the off top, the show of off topics. But it brings us, since you brought up the Middle East, I might as well talk about the the murder at the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Play Kentucky Derby clip. Homicide occurred in the backside of the community where hundreds of stable hands live. Uh, and they've shut down. Yes. The, the, the police have no known leads. Where do you start this investigation? Well, I like that underbelly concept because I think the greater story here, here is the, the culture that exists in this, the backside. A thousand horses, 600 migrant workers, not so different than migrant farm workers, but they're horse caretakers. They right. feed, they clean the stalls. And a lot of them are undocumented citizens or undocumented people from Central America. You're going to have a very hard time with witnesses or anyone coming forward to talk because they're are not going to want a the truth about the underside or the backside being known and b these people are afraid of being deported so it it could be a big story where maybe this man knew something about drugging horses or fixed races yeah, but well it, there were doping allegations doping uh, not allegations. that long ago or it could be simply stable hands having a barroom fight all right john c dvorak we're very interested in your uh, well, dissection these races are rigged and, the, the, <laughs> and it's, I stopped betting after the Barbaro incident. And I want to tell you, just relate this story. And nobody picked up on. I mean, I don't. I read nothing after this happened. But the, the, the typical trick that they like to use, and I think this guy was killed for some reason because the horse that won was not the horse that was supposed to win. Oh. The way this is supposed to go down, and it's done it almost every year, not quite, not quite every year, but it's obviously not going to happen this year. The idea is you win, you have one outstanding horse win the first two races and be ready to win the triple crown. Everybody puts their money on that, then a ringer comes in and wins. <laughs> That's the formula. Okay. That's the formula. Okay. Now, and this happened over <laughs> and over again. In the classic examples in 2006, the horse was Barbaro, undefeated horse, the hands-down winner of every race that it ever raced. Goes to the Kentucky Derby, wins with a near-record race time, about 20 lengths against the next horse. Goes to the Belmont Stakes, 
wins no problem. Now, the next race is the uh, Preakness, and the horse is at the length that the horse does best. Now, this horse, again, now is not never lost, but won the two big ones. Everybody goes down and bets on this horse because it's going to, no matter who's racing against it, it's going to win. Now we need the ringer, so we bring in the ringer. They bring in a ringer, but they still have to deal with this horse being the fastest thing on the track. <laughs> they shoot it, right? Well, they, you know, the funny thing is they ended up shooting it. Of course. Here's what happened. They And I watched this race, and I said, oh, that's it. I'm never going to even watch racing anymore after this scam. They put all the horses, and if you read the if you read the, the accounts of this, the horse had a false start. Yeah. How do you have a false start? They're in these in the gates. They're all closed up, right? <laughs> he jumped out. <laughs> and his gate, none of the other opened ones, first. his gate opened. <laughs> the other one stayed locked. <laughs> his gate opens it's and the com- horse takes off like a rocket, breaks his leg. Com- oh, computer glitch. <laughs> they never explained it. It was never discussed in any stories I ever read. Nobody bitched about this. Right. They put the horse. I think he didn't break his leg quite then, but he was already spooked and weird. So right. they had to go put him back in. The race takes off. Then he breaks his leg because he's, he's already ruined because of this false start. Mm-hmm. And it go, and the, the horse that wins, it was never in the Kentucky Derby, Der, Derby. It was never in the Belmont. It was a horse from Dubai owned by the... <laughs> The ruler, the king of Dubai, <laughs> who's a vice president of the UAE, they brought him in as a ringer. He won easily after Barbaro, uh, Barbaro was uh, came up lame with a broken leg. They had to shoot the horse, one of the greatest horses in the history of racing. This was rigged. Well, uh, and this oh. whole thing is a, a ridiculous scam. I'm so I'm so upset by this scandal. <laughs> Well, you think all sporting is rigged. Of course it is. All professional sports are rigged. Of course but it this is. is a, but now, meanwhile, they had to shoot this Mexican because he was like, <laughs> obviously screwed up their scheme for this year. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, don't mess around, you stupid Mexican. So anyway, that's yeah. uh, my right. complaint about racing. So I have a, you know, in our, uh, we have kind of a new quest, which I'm liking is, you know, we find all these bull crap, uh, nonprofit organizations and, uh, oh, yeah. and how they operate. There, there's, a, we could just do a show on that. Well, I like doing one or two an episode. So, um, go to mobileactive.org, um, while you're looking for that site, uh, I'll read the subtext here. A global network of people using mobile technology for social impact. And this is basically, it's a job site. And it said like, jobs, check out current tech and mobile in social change positions. Who's this guy in the thing with this, this guy with the headgear on? It's the kind of guy they're looking for. So this is, uh, you know, he's like, Human Rights Watch is seeking a researcher on the Internet and human rights. So these are techno experts. This is where you get recruited. The cheapest Institute of Health is looking to fill some technical positions for the Mesoamerican Health Initiative Project in Mexico. This is a bunch. This is front for some spies. Okay. So if you find out who this organization is, they are uh, a fully owned subsidiary of the nonprofit technology network, the NTN. And the website for that is NTEN.org. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So, if you look at their about page, Wait, NTE, N-E-T-N, no, N-N-T, N-T-E-N, N-T-E-N, 
Oh, N-T-E-N. N-T-E-N aspires to a world where all nonprofit organizations use technology skillfully and confidently to meet community needs and fulfill their missions. And you look at this place, and this thing is... By the way, this the website is designed by the same guy who did the other website. Yeah, duh. So you, you, know, you see their mission statement. Uh, you look at their board. Very interesting board members. Let's see. Who do we have here? Board, oh, here it is, board. Yeah. We've got... Um, why is, this, why is this woman holling her chin as she this weird photo <laughs> of Amy Bordstrom? I know. She's great, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she's like a hooker. <laughs> Talk about hookers. Katia Andreessen looks pretty hookerish. But on the board is uh, Edward Granger Hop, Global CIO, International Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies. So, you know, this is obviously the techno expert shillage. And I go, and now they're a five hundred one Kresge Foundation. Yeah, they're a the fi- Ethereos group. <laughs> yeah, they're a fi- Blackbaud. <laughs> they're Common a, Ground, which is a yeah. They're a five hundred one C for good. <laughs> There's one. There's a. What are we going to call our organization? I don't know. We're going to try to do good work. Well, let's call it the Network for Good. Instead, you should call the Dvorak Consulting Group. We know how to do this for you. We'll come up with something better than that. Yeah, that's no good. So they're a 501c3 corporation, which means they're nonprofit, but they don't have to report who gives their money. Which I think this has to stop. I think, you know, if you're a nonprofit, we should know who's giving you money. This, is, this 501c3 is bullcrap. Uh, from their uh, mission statement, to educate the public, members of the philanthropic community and other Section 501c3 organizations, i.e. other secret fronts, on how technology can help to advance charitable missions, to connect diverse constituents that share a common goal of helping nonprofits use technology more effectively, like NGOs in other countries. Membership is made up of both individuals and organizations, including nonprofits, technology support organizations, consultants, and vendors who want to identify peers, connect with clients, develop professional support networks, and share information and resources. So... The thing that was interesting is they in two th- their revenue numbers. Two thousand six, they did two hundred and forty four thousand dollars. Two thousand seven, two hundred eleven thousand dollars. Two thousand eight, four hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. So now they're they've doubled. Then two thousand nine, four hundred and sixty three. So pretty much flat. Then two thousand ten, uh oh, two million dollars. Oh, somebody, Soros came along. (laughs) Or the State Department or somebody. And we can't find out. But if you look at this this website, these are where the techno experts are hired. Well, if you go to the address, which I like to do, you know. (laughs) Who else? 1020 Southwest Taylor, number 800 in Portland. There's a whole bunch of, uh, all, 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 this is not a mail drop because this is obviously one place that these different companies coming out of it. Like (sighs) idealist.org is at that address. And if you look at their website, to take you one, you know, take it down the same road, same designer. Yeah. And they do the personal democracy forum. And they have this thing with the internet's new political power. This is a this is a uh, this is interesting. You stumbled onto something here. Yeah, that's why I bring it up. Look what at all you stumble onto, except for the techno extras. I'm not sure how parenthood is changing the way I work. A member of the idealist team 
Offers a personal reflection of Mother's Day. I'm a new mom to a daughter, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Who's on our team here at idealist.org? Who's on the team? Well, that's Let a good see. question. People. Uh, put Barbara. a number of jobs, buyers. organizations, volunteer opportunities, internships. It doesn't say. No, what? No, if you go. But there's 421,000 people networked on this idealist.org. Mm. Well, you, what you need to do, because all these sites, they always mess it up. So they don't have, they never have an about tab, but if you go to the bottom of the page, that's kind of oh, like yeah. an old Usually. an old throwback to making very old you know, fashioned. Yeah, there's always an about us. Our team. Let's see. Uh, put Barber. Who's that guy? Mm, put see. the guy's put. name's Put. put. <laughs> and meet his. How do you get a name? Let's, what are we going to name our kid? Well, we made all our money in the stock market selling puts. Let's call him Call. No, we can't. We'll have to call Put. That's funny. Put, 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 Barber. Hey, call Put. Um, He's a senior advisor. We need yeah. the board of directors. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a board. I guess. Yeah, it's just up above. Kath oh, Connolly. board of directors. There you go. An educator's explored public engagement. She's at the learning community. Another one. <laughs> the learning community. I mean, and this is employing people, man. This is, and here we are. We're like two schmucks watching C-SPAN all day. Why do we even bother? We just need we should to do one of these things. Yes, of course we should. We can go suck some schlong in D.C. and we'll get some money. No doubt about it. Michael D. Smith of the Case Foundation. Is that Steve Case's Case Foundation? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Anyway, it's, it's a rabbit hole, obviously. Oh, yeah. No, you could. I'm sure we could spend hours going from one site to another. Sandy, this I've heard of this person. This is at the bottom. Sandy Stonesniffer, Stone special sniffer? assistant to the president of the One Campaign, mm. global advocacy organization mm. based in Washington. There you hey, go. Citizen. The One Campaign. There you go. We know if Bono's involved, it's not good. That's Bono's outfit. Yeah. All right. Oh, if you you got to click on that. Oh, you got to go back. You got to click on that link where it says the One Campaign and look at this. What comes up. Is it uh, what page is this? Oh, it was uh, the one with the yeah, yeah, stone cipher at the bottom. I got it. What comes up? Thrive. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> Thrive. And look who's they got all these pictures. They got Merkel and Obama and what's Harper. Plant the uh, seed of change. It's time to break the vicious cycle of hunger and poverty. Please urgently agree to and implement a bold global plan to ensure 50 million people escape poverty. Through agriculture and 15 million children no longer endure chronic malnutrition. Yeah. What kind of bold plan is that? And by the way, who's this guy? Is that the new guy from France that's over the second to the left? He's already on, right, on, yeah. On right. That looks like him, Hollande. Yeah. Yeah, he's already in. Wow, these guys keep up. Well, they're making all this free money. All they got to do is build a website and, uh, and host a, a drink once in a while and collect the checks. Very good. Very good. I kind of love the little dancing beans over their heads. That should be a game. You should be able to click on Obama's head and it would bop up and eat the bean. Bloop. Bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloop, Sign petition. Wait a minute. Let's just see what this is. At least check. Oh, you have to fill no, out. Screw I, that. I'm, I'm clicking on no thanks. Take me to one.org. Yeah, I clicked on yeah. that. All right. Okay. Um, so anyway, like, can I move off of this? I just wanted to mess with you. You brought it up. I know. It's, it's where techno experts go. It's just to show you that all this money is. And it all comes from the State Department, USAID, Human Rights Now, all this stuff. 
So last night, uh, I was up quite late, actually. I watched this documentary called uh, Debtocracy. Uh, as I said in the top of the show, it's a crowdfunded um, documentary about Greece. And actually, the reason why I was interested in this is because you brought it up on the last show and you brought it up again on that Horowitz podcast you do um, about Greece now wanting to investigate the actual debts that they may or may not have to the bankers. You with me? Oh yeah. Or are you still yeah. look, are you still looking at one.org? Can I can I have your uh, un- No, I'm not, I'm sorry. I, I need to go over to Can the I have media your undivided I, I need to, Don't be in the, Get out of the media center, John. <laughs> I just okay. Bono's statement on the selection of Dr. Jim Young Kim as the president of the World Bank. Get out of the what media center. Doing anything. Get out of the media center. Okay, I'm closed. I'm closing the site. Closing one, two, three, gone. Go okay. On. Now, Go do on. I have your attention? I, I can smell. I can smell. I can just see it's like click, click, click. <laughs> wow, what is this bull crap? Click, click, click. All right. So, did you hear what I said about the uh, the the documentary? Yeah, the Greeks are very suspicious of this so-called. This all of a sudden they join the EU. Next thing you know, they're broke. How's this work? So this documentary. Very well done. Uh, they raised a lot. Of, in fact, they raised so much money, they had money left over to promote the documentary. It, it, it's in Greek, and, and actually some of it's in French, and a little bit of it's in German. It has English subtitles. Poorly done, I have to say, because I understand you know, the German and French, I can get a little bit. The Greek, not really, but uh, so the subtitling, not so great. It's all but, Greek to me. Yeah. Um, but it goes in, essentially, it makes a comparison between what's happening with Greece right now and Greece has the Troika, it has the EU, the IMF, and the European Central Bank, who are now trying to take money from the slaves and give it to the banks. They compare it to what happened with Argentina. And Argentina was essentially exactly the same, where they had um, the IMF and actually Washington were uh, saying, hey, slaves, we're taking your money and we're giving it to the banks. And Argentina didn't end so well. Uh, you know, there was huge riots and uh, the country got screwed. Then they bring in the comparison with Ecuador. And Ecuador, they elected a guy named Carrera, and he said, screw it, this is odious debt. And like, whoa, there's a new term. Are you familiar with odious debt? No, I'm not, but I am familiar with the fact that Ecuador is the country that was cited the most as the target of the economic hitman by Perkins in his first book. He's actually in this about, uh, about Ecuador. And uh, because they uh, they were given loans that they could never pay back ever, even when they signed the deal. And so uh, Ecuador got out of it by saying, hold on, this is international law. This was odious debt from the book of knowledge in international law. Odious debt is a legal theory that holds that the national debt incurred by a regime for purposes that do not serve the best interests of the nation should not be enforceable. Such debts are thus considered by this doctrine to be personal debts of the regime that incurred them and not the debts of the state. In some respects, the concept is analogous to the in, uh, invalidity of contracts signed under coercion. And this was, uh, started, uh. this was started by a guy named Alexander Sack, a Russian uh, theorist who um, used this on the United States um, uh, when we... Uh, uh, acquired Cuba, essentially, uh, along with Cuba came you know, 400 years of debts to the Spanish colonial regime. And Alexander Sack then argued successfully. Well, we're, by the way, we're the ones who repudiated 
the debt. Yeah, the correct the way I read it. Mexico, it was during Maximilian when he came down here. And this was during the Civil War era when Maximilian was dropped in. Just a little background. Maximilian was dropped into Mexico by the French as the British had the northern, uh, they had Canada. And it was it was implied that the United States would, this, the Civil War would bust the company in half. Then the French would move in from the south and the British would move in from the north and take over the country so they could get a hold of the gold that we had on the, right. on the west coast. And so the whole thing was a giant scheme to bust us up. And so the French, during the Napoleon the Third era, and the British were not our friends. Right. All right. But now let me get back to the point I'm making. Thanks for that interlude. So the last time odious debt was used, do you know when it was? La- it's not in the Wikipedia. It's in the documentary, and I like it very much. The last time this was used was Iraq. In 2002, before we went into Iraq... Uh, the Bush administration went to the IMF and uh, and the Paris Club and said, "Look, uh, this Saddam, he's got huge uh, palaces. He spent all this money on weaponry. Uh, we're going to go in there, and of course, we're basically going to conquer it. Uh, but you have to agree that these are odious debts, and Iraq, the people of Iraq, will not have to pay this back because otherwise, you know, it's screwed. We're going to spend all this money going there and we don't want you taking the oil. It's our oil because we're conquering this. So you have to say under odious debts they don't have to pay it back. And they made a deal. The deal was, "Okay, we'll give you a 40% cut on the debt, but you cannot go public and call it odious debt because that'll we don't want that shitstorm." We can't have this uh, this concept being too oh, well so known. so they did a deal rather than yeah, do the, uh, exactly. the statement of odious debt. Exactly. So if you look at Greece, in particular the Siemens scandal, and you know, we've discussed it once or twice maybe because you know, we really didn't look too deeply into it, but Siemens really, really, they, they bribed uh, all kinds of government and government officials. They bought everybody off. And uh, you know, a lot of these debts were incurred through the the corrupt Siemens deal. So what they're now trying to do, and of course it's not easy to get a hold of the documents, but they now do have a team. And this is not a team of, uh, you know, you can't have, uh, you know, government legislators. You need people like John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry who, you know, can just go in and read a contract and say, Oh, this is bull crap. And this is, this is, you know, clearly these guys are corrupt and therefore it's an odious debt. And that's what the fight is about right now is the Greeks are now saying, hold on, odious debt. This is debts that were made under corruption, coercion. We had nothing to do with it. You cannot put this on the people. We're not going to pay. And that's what's going on right now. And I thought it was fascinating. It's only an hour and 15 minutes, this documentary, but well worth it. Is it worth. online? Where'd you get yes, it? Yes, no, it's online. It's, uh, it's freely available online. Link in the show notes at 408.nashownotes.com under Euroland. And it's called... Debtocracy. Debtocracy. Debtocracy, yeah. Fascinating nice. stuff. And of course, yeah, no, uh, this is probably the same thing going on in Spain. It's, oh, it's exactly the same thing going on in Spain. Exactly the same. It's, uh, so all of they, this. Was so all, what I find interesting is that this, this thing about Iran, Iraq, mm-hmm. Iraq. Iraq, yes, correct. Let's say straight. it correctly. Iraq. Uh, the the Iraq situation is. Uh, that they would, they wanted to keep this term from getting too much into the public domain. Correct. Because the, because it has a. I'm looking over the same wiki page. It is very powerful if you can make this kind of thing stick. Mm-hmm. 
And that's international that, that law. Would, should get it would get Spain off the hook. It would get it would get everybody that's been screwed over by you know the Germans essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the EU by you know by creating these odious debt situations. Yeah. Now uh, of course you need say, you need walking, a, we're walking from this odious debt. You need a really courageous bunch of people to do this. But I'll tell you, when it comes time for America, I'm there. I'm a government legislation analyst. Here are my credentials. This is my partner, John C. Dvorak. He assists me on slide whistle. We're here to look at the papers. We'll Your be papers, there. papers, please. We'll be there. We'll be up front. Meanwhile, uh, here's what you did not see in America on television, uh, how Spain is doing. In Madrid, thousands took to the streets. They call themselves the Indignados. A youth-led movement that first protested last year against economic hardship and political corruption. A year on, they say little has changed. A year has gone by and nothing has happened. Things haven't improved at all. In fact, they've got worse. The government hasn't sorted anything out. Everything is worse. Budget cuts are ongoing in healthcare and education. This is what we're demonstrating about. And there was real anger directed at the banks. We are ignored by the banks now that they have injected millions into them. That was exactly what they have taken from education. We are a bit tired because they are always the same ones who take the money. They talk about the crisis and there is no crisis. They have turned private debt into public debt. Unemployment in Spain is nearly 25%, the highest in the Eurozone. Here, it's the young who are worst hit. Half of all Spaniards under 25 are out of work. Tonight, 100,000 people gathered in the main square of Madrid as Spain joins the widening protests across Europe against austerity measures. 100,000 people, John. Where's Anderson Pooper? 100,000 people. This is Tahir Square times four. 100,000 people. Pooper, get on the scene. No, you can't because you're a it's slut. in the script. You're a slut of the banking uber lords. I'm telling you, odious debt, it's a, it's a great term. It's a great concept. It's a legal concept. It's been used over and over. The United States used it on Iraq, Iraq. This is very important stuff. Very, very important stuff. Mm, that's a good find. <laughs> Is that how you compliment me, Daddy-O? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good, fine. It's good work. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. All right, then, uh, let me just uh, play this, uh, you know, because we're about to ask people to support our cause. We could also do it this way. September 11th, 2001. The terrible events of that day will live in infamy, but the United States would ensure that those responsible would pay the ultimate price. Justice will be done. On May 1st, 2011, elite members of SEAL Team 6 carried out a daring operation with extraordinary bravery and precision. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world, justice has been done. And now, the historic coin mint is making available this rare commemorative coin, paying tribute to the team who carried out Operation Geronimo. (laughs) Have you seen this commercial? Yeah, no, but I just it makes me cringe. They're already stealing the day it lives in infamy from you know Roosevelt in World War with an attack on Pearl Harbor. <laughs> they find to be offensive. But this is a great deal, John. 
because so you get a coin. Yeah, and, has, it, it got the, has it got the head of uh, Bin Laden? No, it, listen what it has. Featuring the courageous SEAL team and their secret stealth helicopter. <laughs> it features their secret stealth helicopter. What, the helicopter that we finally determined doesn't exist? <laughs> On the other side, the tragic reminders. The World Trade Center. The Pentagon and Flight 93. Oh, God. This beautiful limited edition sovereign is layered in... Mag- it's a limited edition sovereign made out of brass. <laughs> magnificent 24 karat gold. A collector's item. It's valued at $100, but is now available for just $49.95. But call in the next 10 minutes, and you can own this valuable heirloom for just $19.95. Yep, I knew it. Everything is $19.95. That's the sweet spot on all TV sales. But wait, you get a lot more. Also, oh yeah, this no, but wait. But wait. Acrylic protective case to preserve it, and a protective case to preserve it. This individually numbered certificate of authenticity. But there's more. <laughs> we'll also send you this silver edition coin as our free gift to you. Plus, be one of the first 500 callers, and we'll also include the Operation Geronimo military briefing packet with. <laughs> the Operation Geronimo military briefing packet, which includes maps. Photographs, maps, and operational details. It's a $79 value. Today, <laughs> it's also free. Just pay shipping and processing. Altogether, that's now a $260 value, still for only $19.95. Wow. You'll even have a 30-day inspection period to get a full refund of your purchase price. Guaranteed. This offer won't last long, so order right now. That's right. Order right now. John, we should just do that. We could do so much better. We just hawk dead people. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. The, I think it should have the head of Ben Laden, and on the other side should be his butt. <laughs> I'm going to show my skills by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Show me Ben Laden's butt. And here we go. Yeah, we do have some. We do have some supporters. Uh, although there's a helicopter flying over at the mm. moment. Is it uh, the secret stealth they helicopter? Have a little event happening in a park here huh. that uh, they there's a park owned by the University of California, and they maybe it's the FBI guy. No, so they, they decided that they want to put a Whole Foods instead of a. It used to be a, a community uh, farm. Oh, anyway, read on show. It says Sean Pallad- Palladino and. Cinnamonson, New Jersey, 9310. Uh, these are the Taco Bell Slay with another report that getting laid makes you fall behind on the show. <laughs> My girlfriend and I have been having some fun every day in the past past few weeks, and I've been falling behind in my no agenda listening habits. Jeez, how but much fun are you having? Just in time for my one-year anniversary of listening to you guys, so I'm giving you $52 for a half a dollar an episode for the past year, $33.33 for a podcast license, and $7.77 for good measure. It's not much, but I do appreciate what you guys do. Also, I could get a Hey Citizen, the science is in deducing karma. You need that now? Should I do that? Let me see. Uh, he said, with this donation, anyway, he's just yeah, pretty much, he's, he just uh, wants his real name in the... Uh, so a Hey Citizen... Science is in deducing karma. <laughs> okay. Hey, Can you do it? The science is in. You've been deduced. You've got karma. I think it worked except the hey citizen part. I, I don't think that worked with it. I think hey, it's citizen. this, but I like the science is in deducing combo. Yeah, that, that flows really nicely, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Wayne Larcom in Sunnybank Hills, Queensland, uh, in, which is, I guess, no, he's actually in Brisbane. First of all, keep the slide whistle, please. Thanks for the hours of entertainment and education each week. These are so many classic clips, but you can play. There are so many classic clips. Can you play Whoop 'em Ron? By Reverend Manning. <laughs> well, uh, yes, we can accompany it with a slide whistle duet, I think. Now, get out there and whoop Obama's behind <laughs> Awesome. We actually don't play that enough. That clip. Did you? Were you slide whistling? I couldn't hear. Uh, I was. Uh, I was uh, looking up our next. <laughs> you were looking at Bono again. Were you yeah, in the, Bono. Get out of the media center. <laughs> so. Uh, okay, let's see what we got here. We don't have a note. I, I have an old note from Richard Leiter. That's what I was looking up. Uh, but I don't have a new one for a 7777. He's in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I'm sorry if you had Should something to say. Should I just check? Let me see. Let me see. No, the last time he wrote in was a karma for his wife. So let's, this Sunday's, but this must be it. Uh, he needs, well, he wants karma for his wife and a, and for John Slide Whistle coach. He's an extra 50 bucks, blah, blah, blah. 25 to his wife, mother for her three incredible daughters, Maddie, Annie, and Becky. You're a great mom to them all. Karma and best wishes to both with lots of love from Richard Leiter, 7777. You've got karma. The funny thing is that showed up on the, uh, on the PayPal um, confirmation note, but it wasn't like a private letter he sent. But it didn't show up on the spreadsheet for some odd, crazy reason. Uh, well, go wake JC up out of bed. Ask him why. No, it's not, he just puts it it's just the way it comes out. Mm. Uh, here's another one, the same thing. Um, just from uh, Brian Watson, uh, 6969, which keeps the, the thing alive. Keep up the CISPA, COPPA, DMCA, PIPA, SIPA, SOPA, SOPA, PIPA ass coverage. <laughs> Sir Brian, to you. Uh, Arian Martin de Jongst. Arian Martin de Jongster. Uh, 6969, no comment. Jesse Cruz, Highland Park, Illinois, 6969, just trying to keep the streak alive. Please call out myself, Facebook status liking friend, Mark Muzakova as a douchebag. Douchebag. Patrick Muzakova, sorry. Also, I was wondering if John can explain a little bit more about how the far right from, stems from the far left. I've tried to search for it, but people, there's a bunch of stuff that's available. In fact, I have a clip. Uh, we can play it now. It's the Ru- Rupert Murdoch clip. Just an idea. This is one of many pieces of evidence. Rupert was definitely from a privileged background, but uh, his father didn't own the business that he worked in. He managed it. Rupert always saw himself as an outsider. He thrived on that. It gave him a a competitive edge. He would set himself apart further when he went on to Oxford, where his attraction to communist philosophy earned him a nickname, Red Rupert. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. 
That's a piece of information you only get on the No Agenda show. Damn commie. <laughs> Red Rupert. Red Frank Rupert. Kruger in Seattle, Washington, 6969. When you read this, I'll be hung over in Vegas and in need of some sobering up karma. Send it if you can. <laughs> All right, give him karma. You've got karma. Good job. I hope you At- double down so you can send us some more. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah. Patrick Deary, uh, Double Nickels on the Dime. John Bolin, Byer, and Patrick's in uh, Ontario. Uh, John Bolin and Byron, New York, $55. Drunk donation, an apology to Adam. Come I on, do, do, it in the, do it in the drunk voice. Okay. <clears throat> drunk donation, do, donation, an apology to Adam. I told him I would donate after listening to his last DSC. I got slammed and forgot. <laughs> I need some super fertility karma. For wife Polly, she wants a baby gore for some reason. <laughs> Thank God she doesn't listen. John, Windows Phone is cool if you use SkyDrive. <laughs> you can skip the Zoom software. See, this is real strunk donating as I ramble more than those guys who sung that song, Rambling Man. Peace. <laughs> You've got karma. Stephen Shirk, Menasha, Wisconsin, fifty four ninety seven. Jeremy Slate, Hamburg, New Jersey, fifty two oh seven. Donation fifty two for the age. I'll be backwards twenty five on May fifteenth. We got him on the list. Seven cents because I love the slide whistle. My mother had a bad bleeding stroke several months ago and is having tough recovery, but luckily she she, she survived it. She saw her full time job as propagating the formula while she worked as a hairdresser. No, that's perfect. Yeah, good place. Our audience. Yeah, it is. She always told people about the guy with the big hair that used to work on on MTV. (laughs) Who's that? Who's that guy? I don't know. So can I get a... Let me just say something. So uh, Carson Daly, uh, they're promoing him. He's on the Pierce Moron show. Yeah. And there's like MTV legend, Carson Daly. So no, 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 no. I'm an MTV legend, okay? You can't be... Carson Daly's too young to be an MTV legend. Martha Quinn is an MTV legend. You know, not Carson Daly. It's a little little pet peeve. I'm on your side on this. Yeah, it's bullcrap. I'm a legend. Yeah, you've been... Well, you've been written off this... You've been written out of the history. <laughs> yes, I have. Because you had the... the the gall to sue them over no, something. No, they that- sued me. I countersued, and then they had to settle with me. But the gall is that I left them and said, screw it. The Internet is smarter, is better, and you guys are lame. And they didn't like that. Well, that's how it works in corporate America. Anyway, here's this karma. You've got karma. Well, that, that's the only thing that hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit. It bothers you. When they do the so big that's, reunion that's shows, you they never invite douche. me. Think, think in terms bags. of NTV as you throw out a couple of douchebags. One to Vince Fiortino. <sighs> douchebags. Listen and hasn't donated. And Sean Lake. Douchebag. Hasn't donated for a while. Mike Westerfield, Sir Mike Westerfield, fifty dollars. Uh, Richard Leiter, Lincoln, Nebraska, fifty dollars. There he is. There's there's Richard's email. Yeah, the one you just read. I did. That's weird. Yeah. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh. 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 Well, anyway, another fifty dollars from Richard. <laughs> George oh. Scanlon in Comp- Carpentersville, Illinois, fifty dollars. Armin Breuer, Sir Armin, to you in Vienna. $50 uh, since last night's show was great. And since I'm also in need of some relationship karma yet again, here's some value for value. You've got karma. 
And finally, Tristan Wilson Kerrigan from Paddybury, which is, I believe is somewhere near Wagga Wagga. Mm. Uh, $50. And finally, we don't have any more. Uh, we do have a couple of minor notes, people thanking us for this show uh, and uh, claiming never to be boners, etc. But we always have to worry about the under $50 wanting to be anonymous. So that's our donors for this. Yeah, uh, light. Su- supporters. Very light. We didn't do very well on this Sunday show. And hopefully uh, people will uh, say, well, you know, the show was pretty interesting, especially the part about the odious debt. Apparently, uh, this is interesting. Uh, the slide whistle whoopum 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 Ron is now an instant internet viral sensation. It has been clipped and is already uh, going around the interwebs. Yeah, I'll have to play that as end of show after your end of show. It's the end of end of show. It's the end of end of show. Uh, yes, well, it is value for value. Uh, stay tuned for the book. <laughs> Come on, John. We can do this. Yeah, okay. Well, let's crank it out. I mean, we yeah. have enough material just from these shows. You know what's so good about it is there's about three things in every show that could go into a book. What with value for value? I mean, that that's all that it is. I mean, we're about value for value, not about the, the show. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, we do the book about the the book is called Value for Value. I think we should do a no agenda primer as a book. Yeah, we do at least three things per show that would go into a book and be very readable and interesting. I mean, the odious debt thing alone is worth the price of the book. So what is the what is the Confessions of Media Assassins? Is that uh, is that our that book? That would just start. Yeah, that's a, well, let's think, let's think of a title. All right, we'll work, work on it later. We'll work on that. Uh, anyway, uh, the only way that we can continue to do this is through your generous support through... Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. And here's John with a couple alternative addresses. Uh, ChannelDevorak.com slash N-A. Uh, NoAgendaShow.com. You can click on the Donate button. And also NoAgendaNation.com where you can click on the Donate button. And also pick up a mug or a shirt or whatever that, whatever we have available at the moment. There's also the Mayan coin, which is probably better than that one they were selling with the, with ben <laughs> with the, with the secret but, stealth helicopter. <laughs> yeah, it will be less bogative. Yeah, indeed. It's your birthday, birthday, yeah, yeah, yeah. two quick ones today. Jeremy Slate congratulates himself. He turns 25 on Tuesday. And Aaron Yoho congratulates his son Damien turning three on Wednesday. Happy birthday from all of your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your and a quick tally, slide whistle votes. As you know, when your donation amount, if you want uh, the slide whistle to continue, then add a seven cents, a seven to your donation. If you're against, add a nine. Uh, total votes, 42 uh, for our four, 13 coming in today. Against, total 14. So, and only four against votes. But of course, we had a low day. So, there you have it. So far, so good. Could you um, whip out your thing there? Yep. Yeah, oh, very good. The drunk donator comes in and once you kneel, don't hurl, just kneel there. Keith Brown, thank you so much for completing your knighthood today with your generous donation of $450 to the best podcast in the universe. So hereby I proclaim thee, Sir Keith Brown, Knight of the Noah Gender Roundtable. Come on over. We got your ring ready for you. Hookers and blow, rent boys and chardonnay, wenches and beer and hot pants and booze. And you will be receiving that ring 
as this is the last few months that we'll be doing rings, and then we move on to uh, badges and or pins. We're not quite sure. Uh, so I got to show no stinking badges. We got no stinking badges. So uh, thank you very much for uh, supporting the program. Uh, hey, wow. Haiti is back in the news. And there's a reason for it. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw this. The, well, and I'm not, it's, 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 it's funny. The reason they're in the news is because the United Nations in Haiti 2011 report has come out. <clears throat> I've read this for you. I'm not going to dissect it. You can take a look at it for yourself. Uh, but it's kind of funny. Uh, <clears throat> right there in uh, chapter 2. <clears throat> can any good news come out of Haiti? <clears throat> not if one listens to the eminent person who travels from the airport to the hotel and promptly pronounces that no progress has been achieved. Or if you believe the TV correspondent who stands in front of a collapsed house and states that almost no rubble has been removed since the earthquake. But this narrative of failure goes too far. Of course, in the aftermath of a major earthquake, which is a few seconds, caused damages estimated at $7 billion, equivalent to slightly more than the country's gross domestic product in 2009, an extent of continuing cholera epidemic, uh, Haitians face enormous obstacles of recovery. Of course, the impact of these twin catastrophes, oh, now it's twin catastrophes, has been compounded by the reality that Haiti faced daunting and well-known structural problems even before these events struck. So shut up! <laughs> so this whole report is like a big excuse. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so the, uh, of course, the fun news is that the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies is uh, going to take $10.5 million uh, of the money that was raised. You remember when the Bono and Bon Jovi and... And uh, all the Hollywood guys and George Clooney and they all oh, it was got on together. The television. It was all the networks had run, were running this thing. It was to collect the money for the poor Haitians. Yeah, you know what? I remember watching it. Yeah, you know what they're going to do with the that with ten and a half million dollars of that? Uh, well, well, hold on a second. Are you telling me that this money hasn't already been spent on the Haitians? Oh no! In fact, uh, if you look at the uh, annual the 2011 report, they haven't even spent twenty five percent. But the Red Cross, who, you know, you don't like give your money to the Red Cross and they go in and they help people. No, they're going to build a hotel and conference center. <laughs> the hope is profits could sustain the work of Haiti's local Red Cross in the coming years. So they're giving it to themselves in the form of a hotel and conference center. The 10-acre compound known as the Hilton property <laughs> was purchased from Haiti's local cigarette company in the months after the quake. The charity paid in a single payment. Yeah, they got cash. Hey, <laughs> we got cash. Got cash dude. <laughs> hey, we, we don't need a mortgage, man. We're cash buyers here. Using funds donated by National Red Cross agencies. This is an outrage. This so is this an the people outrage. That, that, that phoned in, they, they put punched up a number on their cell phone to get billed by the phone company, and this is where it went? Yep, to a hotel. But the real Do they get a news, discount at the hotel, at least. Oh, uh, you might get a Hilton's reward card. That's possible. But the real yeah, news, get one of those. the real news came out uh, yesterday. Um, they found gold. Yeah. They they expect twenty billion dollars worth of gold is in the ridges of the country's northeastern mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Great. 
the, the public of Haiti will get not a nickel of it. But when you read into this, it turns out that mining can't. I'm there. See, that turns out. There you go. You said it. Yeah, I don't well, know. At least I, you're catching yourself because yeah. I can't. No, it's uh, it's annoying. Spot it. Don't say that, Curry. So here's what is being told. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Mining camps have been going on for years. And U.S. and Canadian investors, the one who caused the earthquake, has spent more than $30 million in recent years in everything from exploratory drilling to camps for workers, new roads, offices, and laboratory studies of samples. Actual mining has been underway for five years. So think about this for your earthquake machine. Because, of course, they hadn't had an earthquake in 90 years. This was not a known fault. Maybe they harped harped this thing, triggered it, not only to grab control of the country, but to shake up the the earth so they could get to the gold. Well, is it possible? Because we know that this is can be done. It happened in California when they were trying to lubricate the fault some decades ago. Lubricate the fault. I like that. That's a good show title. And hey, baby, let me lubricate the fault. They uh, <laughs> they were screwing around because this sounds doesn't sound like a gold mine in the classic sense where you go in there with a pick and you with a, with a, with a mule with a mule. Nuggets. With a mule in a bucket. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that. It sounds more like it's, you know, it's like it has to be torn. It literally has to be ground up. And so yeah. you want to crack. Yeah, you want to crunch it. it. Yeah. So you pound it with all kinds of heavy explosives and then you, they triggered an earthquake by accident. What better I'm way? I'm sure they'd rather just do this silently. Well, yeah, but it's, it's very silent because no one knows about this. $20 billion. That is... Uh, that's five years worth of their uh, GDP. Yeah, and well, who- they were, I think they were hoping they could mine this and ship it out of the country before anyone got wind of it. Mm-hmm. Well, MSNBC reported this, which I thought was interesting. So, well, they got wind of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's other kinds of crazy things that are going on like that all all over the place. Sure, the media doesn't. But but twenty billion dollars. They're more concerned about you know. Romney shaving some kid's head. <laughs> oh, boy. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, the true presidential uh, candidate, Ron Paul, had breakfast with Ben Bernanke. Oh, that must have been it. That would be great to be at that breakfast. Yeah, it was just him and, uh, and Ben. And... Uh, from the article is from uh, Wall Street Journal. The Fed chief and lawmaker had sort of an open discussion, Mr. Paul said, while declining to provide any details of the conversation. It was off the record. What do you think happened? I think this, this if anything, this is, this is the meeting where it's like, hey, hey, boy, you better stop this messing about now. Because, uh, you know, you got your son there in the Senate. How about you know? this? How about... Ron, you, you're okay. You don't have any, you're not carrying a wire or anything. <laughs> Everything you say is true. I don't know what to do about it, Ron. I have no idea. I'm, I, it's not me that's controlling these things. I'm just right. told what to do, but I can't tell you who's telling me. Yeah. It's just, otherwise I'll be dead tomorrow. Yeah, stop picking on me. That's interesting. So what, do you need any help to get that uh, get the nomination? I, so I wonder why. Why, you know, no one's talking about this. What do you think that meeting is? I mean, that's that's a power breakfast right there. 
And he's always messing with Bernanke in these hearings. What could that have been? I hope he didn't have any oysters. <laughs> that would be bad. Well, I don't know. We'll find out in the weeks ahead. Hmm. Well, we won't. Ron Paul, is he's mum. He's mum about the whole thing. I was like, Ron, <laughs> it is tungsten in Fort Knox. Yeah. You've got to lay off. Yeah, easy. we got nothing. Ixnay and the Ungston The country tag. is broke. Stop it, we man. We have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> if you audit the Fed, we're done. Let me show you this slide presentation. Let me show you this PowerPoint. You see all that, that big plume of smoke? That's America, Ron. Stop it now. <laughs> Stop it. It's all bull crap. <laughs> I wish you could do a Bernanke voice. I don't know that he has a voice. He does. He's an anim, he's an animatron. He doesn't actually I have. Can't, I can't even come close to catching it. I, I would never do it. So the big news, of course, in finance, which I'd love to get your take on, was uh, was uh, the morgue, as they call it, J.P. Morgan. Um, uh, all of a sudden, they had twenty billion dollars worth of losses. Uh, twenty two billion dollars worth of losses, with another billion coming. Um, and but here's what I found rather interesting. Uh, he was uh, he appeared on Meet the Press this morning, and here's the lead. I think people are going to be talking about in the week ahead, and that is the coming clash between Washington and Wall Street. Why? Well, you've seen the headlines this week that came from J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's biggest bank. It lost two billion dollars in trading losses because of risky bets. The man at the very top, bank chairman and CEO Jamie Dimon, very powerful figure on Wall Street and beyond, often outspoken, no stranger to Washington. He made the announcement about that loss on Thursday afternoon, and after the markets closed on Friday, he sat down with me in New York. Here's what was interesting. He actually did the interview on Wednesday, and um, this was before the announcement on Thursday about the losses. So then he had to come back and do the interview again. Now, this was not known, but it got out. And so uh, later in the program, uh, uh, Chip Gregory, what's his name? Pete. Chip. (laughs) Chip Gregory uh, says, well, you know, we we did an interview on uh, Wednesday and then I had him come back. So if, if you're being interviewed by Meet the Press and it's Wednesday and you know this is coming. I got to presume you know this is coming or that it could be covered up. But then Thursday you have to announce it. You're either A, not going to go on Meet the Press, but you're, you know, or you're going to mention it or something's got to happen. So is this telling me that Jamie Dimon did not know about this until the actual earnings call? It's it has to be. I mean, your your analysis is absolutely correct. There's no way he would have done this. He would have put it off, rescheduled. There's a million ways of getting out of these things, especially if you're Jamie Diamond. What a name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he must have been completely caught off guard. And this is being touted. And I'm as, sure he's chewing out the person that booked him on yeah, the show. Oh, yeah. And he's and somebody this, must have known. Well, no, but I mean, even that person didn't know. They did not know. But for this thing to come at the very moment when they're talking about the Volcker rule, and I mean, and, and this is obviously a derivatives deal that went bad. In your estimation, John C. Dvorak, a cyclist extraordinaire, do you think that the fractal is kicking in? Is it time now for the derivatives, which by some accounts is six to seven hundred trillion dollars? Is it going yeah, to un- numbers? Unbelievable. Is it, is it starting to unwind? Is this where it happens? Is this how it goes? Is this uh, and then we can, of course, speculate if it's by design, but. 
What do you think? Well, no, I would always say it was a cycle. I will say this. I will say this. I opened up a bank account at Chase when we just moved here. And the only reason was uh, uh, Christina, my daughter, um, she opened a Chase account in Los Angeles against my better judgment and recommendation. And, uh, you know, so when she comes up short, I got to send her cash. And they do have a pretty simple system that you can do right through your phone. Um, so, you know, I, I put some money in there. They're really nice people, I have to say. I mean, you can't go to the bank and just, you know, do a transaction. You got to sit down, talk about, you know, the bank manager's kids, you know, then, you know, it's, and of course I'm going to scam them to get money to buy this land and to, to build Camp Mofo if we're lucky. Um, he called me at least three times in the past two months to check in and see how everything was doing, which is a cash call essentially. And, and you know, I'm not putting money in there. I just have some, you know, that's just in there to send to Christina. Um, so my thinking is that the word was already out that they needed to recapitalize and get money because that's how it works. You know, the, the word goes out. Uh, hey, we need more money. Go call everybody. Go call. Make your calls. So I think there's there's something bigger going on here. Wow. You might be onto something. And it could be structural and huge, and it could be, I mean... What well, the cycle would have it that we would have an economic collapse. There's two things that can happen in this decade. We have, which is very reminiscent of the 1890 to, to, to the turn of the century. That's uh, what I'm looking for, Dvorak. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Which is the night, which would be 2013, right after Obama's elected. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a collapse, even if, or Romney, either one. Uh, Romney can blame Obama if it happens, so, so he'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah. But yeah. Obama's got nobody to blame but himself if it happens. And it should happen in 2013 unless, in other words, a major, major, major depression lasting probably a year to two, maybe, maybe longer. But it'd, be, it'd never really perk back up. It'd just be kind of flat. I mean, that's the cycle. That's what the cycle's got written all over it. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what it normally does happen. It has been thwarted only a couple of times and it could be thwarted by uh by huge infusion of of printed you know crank the printing presses up like there's no tomorrow not this you know they're talking about oh it's a trillion we're talking about 20 trillion dollars needs to be pumped into the system so i don't think they have the guts to do that so no. that's not going to happen no we don't if have they it, no. did somehow crank things up so you could push off the uh, depression of 2013 it's still going to happen in 2017, no matter what you do. And it, and if it happens in 2013, it's going to happen again in 2017, no matter what you do. But I think next year, and everyone's already getting prepared for this falling off the cliff and all the rest of this kind of discussion, I think is being geared up. And by the way, our clip, uh, uh, after show clip of George Soros discussing economics mm -hmm. and the new theories that are needed to explain what things are, how things are going, I think will adequately explains why we're going to have a crash in oh, 2013. Good. Oh, goody. And what can we do to prepare for said crash? Uh, our economic professor, our professor in economics, John C. Borak. <laughs> well, every time it's different, so you never know. I mean, it's almost unpredictable. But one thing that Swedish people have uh, discovered is that... Uh, Farmland is a really good place to put your money. So screw Krugman. Listen to Dvorak. <laughs> Krugman farmland. doesn't know crap. Farmland. Well, good. I'll have some land. I can farm on it. Yeah, just get more acres than you normally would. Um, it, you can't. You can't afford it, man. I'm, I can get half an acre. If the economy collapses in 2013, farmland should should collapse with it and then recover rather quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'll, I'll be rolling in the dough. <laughs> 
that? Not if the donations don't go up. Meanwhile, over there on Gitmo Nation East, um, the slaves are being trained that the government takes care of you. Here's a commercial that is running on the BBC, which I found to be abhorrent. Politics doesn't really affect us, does it? Oh, apart from the cost of our heating and the fat content of our food. How often our streets are cleaned. The start in life our children have. And whose hand they can have in marriage. The minimum wage. The maximum wage. Recycling. Cycle lanes. Care homes. First homes. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, and the air we breathe. Yeah, apart from all that. <laughs> Government will take care of all of that. Wow. That content Old nanny state ad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Justification for what you do or yeah. don't do, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Bunch of well, commies over there, man. Well, on the uh, topic of the Brits, ah. I did catch some of the uh, testimonies. They're continuing this this testimony about the wiretapping or the phone is it, tapping. Is it just me or does Rebecca Brooks, the former editor of News of the World, does she look like a skanky hoe or is it just me? Well, she, don't forget, she was like 30 or something when she got the, her first editorship. And I think it was at The Sun. Mm-hmm. But she looks like she does look like a. She looks like yeah. She, she looks, looks like, like the kind of just to put it to put it mildly. When you see her and you, she's very sharp, by the way. Oh, yeah. But when you see her and you see how fast she moves up the ladder, you have this. And even though this is a very sexist thing to say, and I want to apologize to our female knight uh, dames, mm-hmm. she looks like a blowjob artist. She she looks like the kind of woman that should be wearing a poncho. Well, she does look like a hippie too. Yeah. So okay. So she. So I was <laughs> blowjob artist. What I mean, I did, never have I ever looked at a woman and thought that. Only you, John. <laughs> that took you a while. Yeah. I just realized what you said. I was too busy in the media center. <laughs> All right. So what do you got here, Rebecca Brooks? So she. I, I was actually surprised by what she said here because I would have suspected that. Rupert, Red Rupert, was more of the guy that really tries to commercialize things. But this was kind of an interesting thing. This is the first clip, just Rebecca Brooks. Yes. Views on Europe, presumably you are a U.S. skeptic, correct? Yes, I suppose so. And politically, you, your position is fairly similar to Mr. Murdoch's, is it? In some areas, yes. In which areas do they differ? Well, we we dis- we disagreed about quite a few things. Um, in 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 more in um, margins of it rather than the principle. So I don't know the environment, DNA database, immigration, top up fees, um, the amount of celebrity in the paper versus serious issues, columnists, the design, the headline size, the font size, the point, I mean, you know, yes. we had a lot of disagreements, um, but in the main, um, on the big issues, we had similar views. Yes. And so on the issue, amount of celebrity against serious issues, uh, where did each of you stand on that? Um, I, I like more celebrity and he, he wanted more serious issues. <laughs> so that caught me off guard. 
You know, I'm going to be talking to uh, Super Agent Keith when uh, Mickey and I get married in uh, Amsterdam in July. Uh, he's coming over from the UK. He, you know, he knows all these people. He uh, inside and out. He, you know, he would work with the, you know, the money flow. He's the, the known as the Bishop of Soho. He will give me some real insight into what happened. You watch. I'll have, I'll have tons of stories. Oh, yeah. You watch. So anyway, just as an aside, she also explains what she meant by liking more celebrity. And I mean, this, by the way, she's a modern. I think I believe she's a modern editor. I think they all think this way at this point. They don't give a crap about educating the public in any way, shape or form. And why did you want more celebrity? Well, I liked um I thought the readers were quite interested in, we only have to look at the viewing figures of um, BBC or ITV to see that it's the celebrity programs, the real life, the reality programs that do so well. And I took from those um, figures that our readers were quite interested in that. He thought there was too much of it, although he liked X Factor. <laughs> but it, she's absolutely right. Can you imagine us pitching this show to Rupert, to Red Rupert? Rupert, we got a great idea. We're going to deliver real news. We're going to dissect all this bull crap, and we'll have no audience. Exactly, <laughs> which is what we've got, <laughs> and that's our model, Rupert. Don't you love it? You know, we can just see the guy going like, "What? <laughs> that's not going to happen. Not on my watch." So, yeah, good. no, it's kind of pathetic. Good. So there was a um, there was a Pentagon briefing. Actually, I think it was Department of Defense, although it was Panetta and Dempsey. Dempsey, I kind of like because he shoots his mouth off, and he and, uh, and he. It's all. It, it, I like the guy on one hand because I think he's probably a good uh, commander. Uh, on the other hand, um, he's a little egocentric. You know, he feels like you know Panetta's getting too much press, and he'll be like, oh, "Well, he 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 asked me to question too, so let me answer it my way." And he messes up when he does that. Um, so this is regarding uh, Yemen. First of all, did you know that we be a great guy to have a drink with? Oh, Dempsey, yeah. And, and in fact, Atomic Rod knows him and uh, says that uh, he is a good guy. Yeah. Atomic Rod was on a nu nuclear sub for t 30 years or whatever. Um, so did you know that we have sent troops into Yemen? We have boots on the ground? Uh, well, I mean, we've talked about the, the, the troops that were sent in over a year ago, uh, but they're all stealth. No, we sent in uh, new troops, but they're not there for, they're for a training mission. Oh, the famous training mission. <laughs> a training mission. So the question comes in uh, from a uh, good, uh, good, uh, good question, by the way. A nice, uh, nice dude who's an old gray, gray idiot who's never going to get asked back again after this. Your announcement, the department's announcement the other day that uh, military trainers are being returned to Yemen. Uh, what is the prospect of uh, even deeper U.S. military involvement in Yemen in coming months, whether it be uh, air power or ground forces? Uh, with regards to uh, the Yemen question, uh, as, uh, as I've said uh, time and time again, uh, that... Uh, Count the times he says Al-Qaeda and ring your bell. We will go after Al-Qaeda uh, wherever they are and wherever they try to hide. Uh, and uh, one of the places uh, that uh, they clearly are located is Yemen. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've obviously, uh, the United States, uh, both military uh, and intelligence communities have, uh, uh, have gone after uh, al-Qaeda, uh, and we continue to go after al-Qaeda. The recent threat, uh, 
that uh, uh, that concerned all Americans about the possibility of uh, another effort uh, to uh, take down uh, an American airliner uh, has come out of uh, out of Yemen, uh, and it's for that reason that we will continue to uh, uh, to take all of the steps uh, necessary to try to go after those who would threaten our country and threaten our sa the safety of American people. Uh, we, we have operations there. The Yemenis have actually been very cooperative in the operations that we have conducted there, and uh, we will continue to work with them to go after uh, the enemies that threaten the United States. So this is what, actually didn't say it all that often. No, um, he didn't say it all. It wasn't, yeah, but, but so um, and Dempsey's, <clears throat> you'll hear Dempsey in a moment. So what I found interesting is that he, he brings up the, well, you know, we thwarted a, a jet bomb attack, which is bullcrap. It's just bullcrap. It's not true. We didn't thwart anything. And it was a, apparently the Brits are now uh, taking responsibility. They're saying, hey, it was actually an MI6 guy who, uh, who was working. Oh, really? Work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Brits are saying it was an MI6 guy. So, you know, there's all kinds of credit that's not flowing properly and everyone's all pissed off about it. And it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to come out like this. And, you know, so it was a bad leak. But then Dempsey, he, he says something pretty incredible. Uh, which is exactly the opposite of what is supposed to happen. Because, you know, what happens when there's all kinds of bullcrap in these countries? We have the responsibility to, to protect. We have an entire executive committee the president put together. Uh, when, there's, when we have internal strife and evil dictators, uh, and let's face it, uh, Yemen has a dictatorial uh, government, if you can even call it a government, then we go in when there's stuff going on, right? Then we that's when we have the no-fly zone. We go in to protect the people, correct? You'd think. Would you rule out using ground forces in Yemen at some point? Uh, there, yeah, there's no consideration of that. Uh, our operations now are, uh, are directed uh, with the Yemenis uh, going after al-Qaeda. If I if I could contribute to that part of the question or that that question as well, we you know we've had a decades long relationship, security cooperation relationship with Yemen. We suspended it during the period of their civil unrest, and as President Hadi began to uh, restore constitutional order to the situation, we're 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 reappearing in terms of our building partner capacity. But well, that makes no sense. What makes no sense about it? When there was civil unrest, we left. No, that's, yeah, and then when the, when things were calmed down again and it was a constitutional, we came in. We came right back in. Yeah, it makes, doesn't make sense if you think of it, yeah. And so then the question comes up about Syria. Hey, is there al-Qaeda in Syria? I haven't seen any intel to suggest that AQ was responsible for those attacks, although we do know that there have been extremist elements that are trying to make inroads in Syria. Oh, really? So there are extremists like al-Qaeda. Of course. But, but let's disclaim this quickly. That is to be distinct from the opposition. I'm not tying those together. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> uh, you can just see Panetta kicking him under the table. Yeah. No, oh, no, you dummy. Ixnay on the al-Qaeda, idiot. Don't just say that. Shh, shh, shh. He did that in front of the boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay. I've got the uh, Sunday Times here. Oh, uh, do you need the jingle? Oh, yeah, why not? Okay. John's gonna hum the Sunday Times. Uh, 
pretty it, the times is having problems. They're starting to lay people off. This this may be the last, you know, the last. They need to go all value for value. It'll be great. The paper will be one page. Big front page story on the cost of education soaring. Young adults play a growing price in loans. We talk about that on our show. Of course, a generation hobbled by college debt. Huge, huge front top of the fold. Big picture of some girl. I don't know why she's doing this, but she looks like she's at a restaurant counting tips. <laughs> she got a bunch of money on the counter. That's about it. So that's the big story. And they're going after that. Tea Party focus turns to Senate and shake up. It's on the left. Doesn't mean anything to me. U.S. made. This is kind of interesting, though. And this is the far right column top. U.S. may jettison efforts to train Iraq Iraq police units. Mm. Key mission in disarray. Costly project falters as American influence shows a decline. In other words, we're just, the whole thing is done. Yeah. We we suck. (laughs) Below the fold, we got uh, echoing out of Texas, a story that caught my attention because you, uh, of course, are in Texas. Echoing out of Texas, Chinese voice of dissent. Hmm. I don't know what quite that's about, but I guess somebody's in Texas complaining about the Chinese. <laughs> what are they in doing? In ebook era, rule for writers is type faster. Yeah, more books, right? You got to do one a year. Yeah, you got to crank them out. Yeah, I saw and, that story. Uh, then there's a picture of Romney speaking to these guys at Liberty College. A couple little minor, the little group of minor uh, stories. Missile plans worry Londoners about those missiles in the rooftops. Budget crisis in California. You know, there's uh, a that's just, just a, on the on the missiles in London. There's a awesome crackpot video uh, that you can find under out there in the show notes four zero eight dot show notes dot com. Uh, title of the video, 100,000 to die at the London Olympics. And um, they have all these media messages and, um, you know, coincidences. And then, of course, there's the Illuminati playing card deck. Uh, the assumption here or the assertion is that a dirty nuke will go off during the Olympic Games. It's a good crackpot video to watch if you're if you're into. Oh, it sounds that. like a winner. <laughs> it is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Please have a look. Uh, and pretty much, there's not much going on. Hmm. Um, well, then we can close it out because I got more. To, I got more to say. Well, I do have the little Olympic thing since you brought it up. Yeah. There's a there's a screwball sculpture they built at the Olympic Park. I have a clip describing it. And I, there's a question. This is kind of an Ask Adam because it, it has a question. That you'll see. guess the question when, when you play the clip. Uh, I'm just looking for it. Where it's right at the bottom. Oh, yeah. WTF yeah. sculpture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. London's latest landmark, an awkward, odd-looking tangle of red steel. It looks like a helter-skelter, but it's actually a sculpture called The Orbit. Okay. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Yeah. What's the question? It looks like a helter-skelter. Yeah. What does that mean? Hmm. Uh, well, now, some, I remember, there was some reference to this. I saw somewhere, hold on a second. I, the, I was reading a recent Helter Skelter reference, and not in, not in reference to the song or to Manson or anything. What was that? There was something weird about it. And that's a good question. Well, that whole, <clears throat> that whole thing is completely Illuminati-based. Yeah, you've got the big pyramids. Um, did you see the Olympic flame got blown out? The high priestess. 
was. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Yeah, the, so they had. Oh a little, no! <laughs> they had a ceremony, and actually, they called her the High Priestess. This whole really? thing, yeah, oh yeah, the, the BBC called it the, high, the. She's the High Priestess. I had it on last week's show. I, I didn't play the clip, and uh, yeah, the High Priestess, and then you know, a big gust of wind comes and. Poof, it blows out. <laughs> and you see this girl like, what What do I do now? <laughs> and they, you know, they lit it with a parabolic uh, mirror. It's, the whole thing is, it's, uh, well, anyway, 100,000 to die. Get out of London is my advice. You know, you never know. I mean, it's, it can't hurt so, to get so out. does anything look like a helter-skelter? Here's a couple of little things in the book of knowledge. It says the helter-skelter is a nickname for Bishop's Gate Tower, hmm. a skyscraper hmm. under construction in hmm. London. Hmm. Hmm. But that's just the name of it. What? Uh, let me let me do helter skelter lyrics. Let's see. Was is there a clue there? Maybe the lyrics to Bishop Skate Tower is pretty. It is very pretty. Let's see the lyrics for helter. The skyline starting to look like Dallas. No, <laughs> not liking it. Uh, the lyrics. I'm coming down fast. Oh yeah. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. When I stop or turn around, don't want me to love you. I'm coming down. No, no, I don't think there's uh, nothing in the lyrics. So you say it looks like a helter skelter. No, unless you're referring to this. I'm just, I'm just searching, man. I'm just what I do. You're not going to find it. There's yeah. nothing. This is. I don't know what the guy's talking about. And why the guy didn't call him on it? What are you talking about? Uh, meanwhile, here's some great news. Uh, researchers hey, at the Hold on a second. I, I hate to interrupt you, but yeah. you've got to look at this picture. Go to Helter Skelter in the Book of Knowledge. Mm-hmm. Just the word Helter. There's a bunch of them, but the one is just Helter Skelter. And then, and then go, oh, wait, here it is. Bishop's Gate Tower is what you want. you got to go to Bishop's Gate Tower. Uh, from the Book of Knowledge page? Yeah, the Book of Knowledge. should say Bishop Gate's Tower. You should just have a standalone entry. Hold on. It's got a picture of the tower and... I'm looking for it. Bishop Gates Tower, right? Sky, okay. Hmm. You refer to it as the pinnacle. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now click on the tower picture on the right. Okay. And oh, which that's not it. Hold on. P- pick on the click on the other one that where it says planning and design. The yeah, big yeah, yeah, the yeah. sky yeah, the yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. And you got the bullet. You got the tower. You mean the gherkin. And then you have R2-D2 on the right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What is this? It's, R2-D2. it's R2-D2. <laughs> Good catch. Yeah, something's up. R2-D2. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I wonder what building that is. <laughs> it's R2-D2. R2-D2. I have no <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> All right. Researchers. You know, this is uh, my head always goes, whoa, researchers at the University of Michigan. They've done something outstanding, John. They have tweaked the Kinect sensor. You know, the Microsoft Kinect, which is that three cameras. Yeah, 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 thing with the eyeballs. And they have brought it into the classroom. They the Kinect's motion sensor can now be used to observe children and to pick up on whether they exhibit the symptoms of autism. Oh. <laughs> You've developed a maniacal laugh, you know. How can you not? <laughs> so so here, put this in the red book. Your kid's going to be at home spinning, of course. Because, you know, that's yeah, what kids, like do. kids do. And I can just imagine the kid puts his head on the ground and spins around that. That's a, that's a good spin. 
or maybe just with arms out, spinning around, your connect is going to register that. And then you're going to get a knock at the door. And it's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, you know, we obviously, uh, we obviously know that uh, your kid has autism and uh, we need to, we need to uh, give him some shots. If you have a connect, get it out of your house. It's a very bad idea to have these things. And you can cross this one off from the book of uh, from the Red Book. What's in the Red Book about tuberculosis? Oh, that's a long time ago. I'd have to be digging in the book for a while. World World Health Organization: Extreme drug resistant strains of tuberculosis tuberculosis has now been found in seventy countries, mm. and it's the doctor's fault. What we are seeing worldwide is the emergence of strains of the bacillus causing tuberculosis that are resistant to most of the drugs we have available. Director of World Health Op- uh, Organization Stop TB campaign is saying. Um, here it is. In certain cases, public clinic clinics run out of stock of the proper medicine, but increasingly private sector practitioners are to be blamed in India which has the highest prevalence of TB in the world. 50 to 70% of patients refer to private doctors when they begin coughing. They don't want to queue in public clinics that are overwhelmed and congested. Uh, And instead of prescribing the four-drug, six-month regime recommended by the World Health Organization, who I'm sure somehow are being paid, private clinics prescribe either too many drugs, which is a waste of money and increases toxicity, and also increases drug resistance. So... You're taking the wrong meds, slave. You've got to take our meds, which are World Health Organization approved. I told you this was... <laughs> there you go. You've got it. You've got it right there. <laughs> In Gitmo Nation East, just staying on the, uh, on the medical front here, Big Pharma. Uh, prescriptions of Ritalin for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder have quadrupled in the last 10 years. That's a lot. Yes. I would say. <clears throat> All right. I'm done. You're done? I think. Let me just check and see if I'm done. Yeah. I, the, the HPV thing, I still want to get into that, but I, I need more time to formulate it. Uh, it's a crackpot thing if you just want to go out on a funny note. I'll just yeah, yeah, summarize. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very quick summary. Uh, crackpot note is that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, that his real name is Jacob Greenberg. And there's uh, mug shots of this Jacob Greenberg who was arrested several years ago for marijuana. And it is. He's he's, hey, so just to hold it right there. I have a, a, a I got a magazine with a picture of him on the cover. I'm looking at it and I'm saying this guy is smoking dope. Because he's got those red bloodshot eyes like they used to always, you know, and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, he's MK Ultra. It's very obvious that he's smoking dope yeah. based on his eyeballs. Well, <clears throat> that fits in with Jacob Greenberg, who was arrested. And uh, if, it re- if, if Mark Zuckerberg, which, by the way, is German for Sugar Mountain, which is kind of interesting as a code name. Uh, for Facebook, uh, it's a honeypot, the Sugar Mountain. Remember, a uh, $500 million investment from uh, InQtel started that thing. 
then his family members would be the Rockefellers. Because the what? Gre- yeah, the Greenbergs are the are related to the Rockefellers. Huh. And the Rockefellers, of course, own eight percent of uh, Facebook. Is that right? Mm-hmm. According to the prospectus. So uh, keep your eye on Zuckerberg. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll follow this. Yeah, well. Why not? (laughs) Nobody else is. No. That's going to be a dog of an IPO, though, I can tell you that. If they ever get out. Maybe that's why uh, Jamie Dimon did all this now. So they don't have to take Facebook out. Well, it could be one of the things is if you can kind of put the market in a stall, no one's going to bring out an IPO. And they've been stalling it for a while now, it looks like. Hmm. We'll see. It's going to be next week. Yeah. Well, maybe the $1 billion additional loss that's coming is from the Facebook IPO. Maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe it's all just code. This might be. Elaborate code, but it's I, code. I would look for it in a crossword puzzle. All right. So Ms. Mickey and I are flying to L.A. this afternoon. We're going to go visit my daughter. So I will be submitting myself in the Tunnel of Humiliation to the TSA Rapists. That should be fun. And uh, we have an end-of-show clip coming up. George Soros on economics. Boring but fun to watch, John says. Fun to listen to. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State here at Camp Mofo in Austin, Tejas. In the morning, my name's Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I also say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Ever since the crash of 2008, uh, there has been a widespread recognition, uh, uh, both among economists and the general public, that economic theory has failed. But there is no consensus on the extent of of that failure, Um, even among participants of this conference. uh, As a sponsor of INET, I'm delighted because it shows that INET is open to a wide variety of new economic thinking. But I'm uh, also a, 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 a proponent of an alternative interpretation of financial markets, and in that capacity, I I take a different position. Uh, I believe that the failure is more profound than generally recognized. It goes back to the very foundations of economic theory. Economics tried to uh, imitate Newton's physics. Uh, it sought to establish uh, uh, fu- uh, universally and timelessly valid laws governing reality. But uh, economics is a social science, and there is a fundamental difference between natural and social sciences. Uh, social f- phenomena have thinking participants who uh, base their decisions on imperfect knowledge. Uh, That is what economics has tried to ignore. Scientific methods 
needs an independent criterion by which the truth or validity of theories can be judged. Natural phenomena constitute such an independent criterion. Social phenomena don't. That's because natural phenomena consist of facts that occur independently of what anybody says. The facts then serve as an objective evidence by which the validity of scientific theories can be judged. That has enabled natural science to produce amazing results. Social sciences, by contrast, have thinking participants who have a will of their own. They are not detached observers, but engaged decision makers whose decisions greatly influence the course of events. Therefore, the events don't constitute an independent criterion by which the participants can decide whether their views are correct. In the absence of an independent criterion, uh, uh, people have to base their decisions not on knowledge, but on an inherently biased and to a greater or lesser extent distorted interpretation of reality. Now get out there and whoop Obama's behind <laughs> Slash N-A